This is an announcement. The following transmission may contain mature content and language. The information provided within, while researched, is from non-experts. Listener discretion is advised. Well, just what is your business? Monsters. Monsters? all you monsters out there and welcome to the outer limits the show dedicated ish to weird true crime and paranormal occurrences <laughs> how is that for an npr voice i tried my best uh, <laughs> nailed it uh, this is gonna be a long season <laughs> <laughs> we're back guys yeah, season we're back. two Oh, how I missed those intros. Let me tell you. <laughs> Just in case you guys are jumping in for the first time on season two and have not listened to any of our other episodes prior, I'm Z. I'm Ty. And we have and a special oh. we have an awesome special guest with us today. Yeah, we do. Kina. I am Kina. Yay! Got too excited. <laughs> <laughs> try to try to jump a gun there. I did. It's all right. It's all right. You know, we're we're uh, fast and loose around here. We appreciate the enthusiasm. Yes, we don't have uh. any of it. <laughs> I am nothing if not enthusiastic. But Kino, why don't you tell us a little bit about who you are? Why, yes, I am the host of the Historical AF podcast, and they have both joined me twice now over there. So now I'm just super excited to come invade your territory now. Mm-hmm. It's Mwahaha. Yay. Good times, good times. Yeah, my podcast is just a weird, spooky, morbid, funny history for your ear holes. And yeah, it's a good time. We've talked pirates and then we've talked royalty. Yeah. We had a blast on on <laughs> historical as fuck too. Like you guys are awesome. Yeah. I really oh, like thanks. talking to you, Kina. You're great. Uh, <laughs> yeah, we've uh we've decided we're the same person. Yeah. Sorry, uh, Ty. <laughs> <laughs> it's twice now. I, I'm missing my twin from your show. Yeah. Yeah. If you guys haven't listened to those episodes yet, uh, we did post it on social media. But if you haven't yet, go listen to Historical AF. Super, super awesome pod. Kina is hilarious. <laughs> you can listen to us make absolute fools of ourselves at the amount of rambling that happens, which is almost worse than what happens here. Uh, uh, almost. <laughs> uh, uh, I think only Dusty has that beat. <laughs> yeah. But I think like Dusty has everybody beat on the rambling. He does. So. <laughs> Hi, Dusty. Uh, sometimes uh, you just have to have some fun detours. Exactly. It's yeah. what makes podcasting so much more fun than other media. You can <laughs> listen to people talk about random shit that has absolutely nothing to do with the topic at hand. <laughs> exactly. Like, I thought we were going to talk about hospitals today. Um, actually, that is a good point. We haven't actually even said what this episode is about yet. 
And this is why I'm here, just to kind of sneak us back in. Like, hey, guys. So going back. Oh, God, no, no. Leave that season one. Never. <laughs> it will always come back. Oh, it'll always go back. Yeah. <laughs> but anyway, this is our episode on hospitals. Which we have lovingly titled Hello, Hello Nurse. <laughs> Uh, we've practiced that for 30 minutes. Yes. You you, well, you didn't hear that because uh, uh, I edited it out, but. <laughs> yeah. Yes, that, that took some time and effort. You're welcome. I didn't welcome. have to listen to like 30 versions of Hello Nurse to figure out the right ones that match up. <laughs> yeah. I'm not looking forward to that. However, I am looking forward to this episode, I think, maybe. I know. I'm actually pretty excited about it. This was a super interesting topic. Yeah, like just to be given a prompt of hospitals. I'm like, shit, what am I supposed to do here? How what do I find? What like what what am I looking up? Like, ah, I don't know anything. Like there's no specifics. So yeah, that was fun. Thanks for that. Thanks, Betsy. You could have just asked. (laughs) (laughs) What's the fun in that? (laughs) So we're probably gonna have a really disjointed podcast episode where Ty is talking about something completely different than either of us. Like Maybe, maybe not. Because remember, like even when I seem to be go way off the track, we somehow bring it all the way back in. It's, yeah. a, it's a circle. It'll be, it'll come back around. It'll be fun. Oh yeah, <laughs> we'll, we'll be all right. <laughs> all right. That being said, Ty, why don't you start us off with the history and background of hospitals? Yes, the hospitals. All right. Speaking <laughs> of weird pronunciations of hospital, <laughs> just real quick, because I love etymology. I think it's really fun to learn the history of words. And where they come from. So hospital is another fun one because like the first recorded instance of it is in the mid 13th century. And it meant shelter for the needy from old French. And it was actually hospital in French, which was also an abbreviation of like hostel, shelter, lodging. And then that root comes from Latin um, hospitalis, meaning a guest house in or the guest of a host. And yeah, so that's the fun history on on the word hospital. Oh, that's interesting. Well, it's kind of cool. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So it actually originally means like that's why you get hospitality is the same root. Oh, I see what you did there. I didn't even connect that. I'm really ashamed. <laughs> and who's the historian? <laughs> <laughs> I know I have a piece of paper and everything. Right. Uh, by the end of this, you guys are going to be like, they just hand those out to anybody, huh? <laughs> there was, there was a, uh, wasn't there some kind of review board or something you had to go through? Uh. Yes. <laughs> uh. At least I have an excuse because I didn't finish my degree. So. <laughs> mm. Anytime I get stuff wrong when it comes to history and art history, I'm just like, I didn't finish my degree. It's fine. <laughs> Yeah, uh, and for those of us who did, yeah, I'm one class away from having a bachelor's in art history, but it was really hard, and I was like, "Eh, I don't need it. (laughs) uh, I was I was a semester and a half away from graduating with my bachelor's in art history, and I didn't finish. Now I'm starting over because I just started school again today, actually. But now I'm going for animation. Yeah, because we really want to actually get our YouTube episodes up at some point in the near future. Yeah. And, you know, I need to actually learn that. So I've been teaching myself, (laughs) but it's a lot harder than it looks. It really is. Real classes where I pay money in order to learn have come into play now. (laughs) 
All right. So back into the history of hospitals. So I picked a lot of this up from an article on the history of hospitals and wards by HCD. There was no actual name they associated. They just gave their initials for anonymity, I suppose. Probably a woman trying to be taken seriously in a man's world. (laughs) More likely than not. (laughs) Yeah. Just throwing that out there because the first name probably is Helen or something. And like, yeah, we'll just go with the H. And then like, you know what? I started with one. Let's let's do a couple more. So <laughs> the author of this article was HCD and I have corroborated it from other sources too. So I'm doing my due diligence as a researcher. Yes. Citing is sexy. Mm. Cite your sources. Cite those sources. Mm-hmm. Even if it might be in APA oh, or MLA yeah. format. <clears throat> oh God. Yeah. So anyway, so originally, according to this article, what most historians, when you go into hospital history, deem as the first hospitals are actually more temples dedicated to healing gods were are considered to be that. So you have all the way back in ancient Egypt, like with the temples of Imhotep as the healing god for the Egyptians back in like 3000 years ago or so. And then there's also, uh, 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 oh yeah, Asclepius in Greek civilization. So those temples were also treated also as hospitals. They would bring in the sick and they would treat them with prayer and do some surgeries, amputations, or um, also opium. They, they knew about opium then. So uh, lots of painkillers. I, I do like the thought of bringing somebody into a temple and be like, pray over him or cut it off. Whatever works better. <laughs> well, well, we'll, we'll pray over him. If that doesn't work, we'll cut it off, pray over him. And if that doesn't work, we'll pray over what we cut off. <laughs> there you go. While we're all on opium. And will he'll either be dead or better. One of the two. So the, we were just praying to get him into the afterlife or praying for himself. They never have to know. Hot medicine. Huh, how much has changed? I mean, oh. <clears throat> right. But as far as actual like dedicated hospitals, uh, they, some believe that they were in Mesopotamia. And like that's where they think that they started as far as the Western Midwestern worlds. And then also with Buddhist monasteries in India and Sri Lanka is also where they think they started. Cool. I feel like that's where most things started, either Mesopotamia or like India somewhere in Asia or India. Yeah. yeah. You you basically have your three points. You have Mesopotamia and the Babylonians who were incredibly advanced civilization wise. Then you have India, which has been a continuous civilization for 4,000 years of some kind or another, minus the British, but they do that to everyone. <clears throat> yeah, boo. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That was the worst class I ever took in my life was British imperialism in India, and I was just like, it's fucking depressing. I hated it. Oh, they oh, just no. focused on India. All right, cool, because, yeah, they haven't done that in other places. Africa. <clears throat> what? Yeah, it happens so much that they just break it down into specific classes. <laughs> okay, yeah, you know this place with a billion people? Yeah, England went in and fucked them. And then there's a whole mm. continent. England went in and fucked them. And then they went across the ocean. And then there's this other continent. And English mm. fucked them. But then they revolted. And then India revolted. <laughs> yeah. British history, in a nutshell. Yeah, very much. <laughs> All right, back to hospitals. Hospital, focus. Focus. So, right. so one of the oldest architectural evidence of a hospital is in, and I'm going to butcher this, but uh, Mihintal in Sri Lanka, which can be dated back to the 9th century AD. Wow. 
Wow, that's that's really really cool. Yeah, for there to be something surviving from that long. Well, you know, when there's not a lot of people to go fuck shit up. <laughs> yeah, I would assume that means that there's enough left that they could actually discern what it was. That's kind of cool. Either that or the scholarly writings, and they have enough evidence to back up the scholarly writings. So the. Buddhist monks also had a huge tradition of lore keeping and passing down tradition and writing it all down. So that's how we tend to know so much about Buddhism and its history and a lot of those ancient Buddhist places, because a lot of monks there wrote the shit down and then they kept it. (laughs) (laughs) It's because they didn't have silly things like, you know, churches burning things. (laughs) Yeah. Or Caesar being like, whoops, sorry, Alexandria. My bad. This seems to be the most heartbreaking thing to me because I (laughs) would have loved to have gone to that library. Right. Okay. (laughs) But yeah, so far as rational medicine, as it's been called, is believed to have started with Greeks, like most anything rational. Everybody says the Greeks started it. (laughs) Before then, everything was just irrational. (laughs) Yeah, no, no, nobody, nobody really took a really hard look at why people got sick before then. Pretty sure. (laughs) <laughs> at least according to history <laughs> i mean like we like you said before you just pray over it that doesn't work cut it off pray over it again like i feel like that's a little more rational well but again like there we don't know how much information was lost when the whole program of conversion happened and how many wiccan and pagan texts were burned so very true like we don't know anything about that so there's also like medicine from Egypt that they used so much because it worked. It was like a flawless version of birth control, but they accidentally made it go extinct. Yep. So now we don't know how they did it. <laughs> so that probably happened too. They had really great medicine and then just you know, yeah. used it all. Sorry, future people. Gee, thanks, Egypt. Or the Romans came in and destroyed it because oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> we can't forget about them. Another dickish <laughs> empire of the world. <laughs> So, but as far as the Greeks were concerned, though, they didn't have hospitals. What they really had was physicians making house calls and you would be treated in your home because it was the idea in ancient Greece and throughout a lot of ancient Western history is that sick were meant to be treated at home. And so it, that was the humors, right? Yes. <sighs> That's a good time. I kind of wish they still did like regular doctor house calls. Yeah. Well, the way things are going, we're, we're about to get there. Yeah, that's actually a good point. Now, if you go to the doctor, I don't know if you guys have gone post-COVID, you just sit in your car, which is also nice. I hate waiting rooms, so I'm down. Yeah, like you're able to turn up the radio, listen to a podcast, I don't know, like uh, Historical yeah, as Fuck like or The Auto Limits. Murders. Yeah, yeah, just, yeah. Just gonna- usually the weirdest shit comes on when you're rolling down the windows from the temperature. Yeah. You just got to time it just right. Make it as awkward as possible. It's a good time. Something about the bodies hitting the Thames. All right. That'd be such a good one, though. (laughs) Yeah. Oh, God. You know, I keep saying I'm never going to live this joke down, but then I bring it up every chance I get. (laughs) I know you're like doing it to yourself. Like, Like I'm trying to make this thing live on, even though I want it to die. Small side note for you listeners, if you haven't listened to the voodoo episode of our podcast, (laughs) you will not understand that reference, and therefore you should go back and listen to it now. (laughs) This is the part where I put in as many shameless plugs as possible, 
So you know what's going on. <clears throat> right. So anyways, <laughs> uh, back into the history of hospitals. We have the, the first teaching hospital of with like visiting physicians and scholars from all over the civilized world, from like Egypt or India, also Greece was founded at Gandasapur in present-day Iran around 380. Cool. Yeah, it's actually believed it was founded by a bunch of Christian refugees after the conversion and they were the not they were the non-accepted schools of Christendom that were not accepted at the Council of Mycenae and kicked out of Rome essentially and so they mm-hmm. migrated their way over to in what we now call Iran. Or Persia, like the Persian empires, just to get away from it and get away from the persecution. They believe they founded the hospital there as part of the, because at that point it was already established that following the teachings of Christ, you needed to heal your neighbor and all of that. So that's when medicine really took off was with them founding that. So, huh. yeah. And, and tying into that, after 400 AD, the monasteries were generally constructed to include accommodation for travelers or the poor and the sick. Oh, that's cool. Yep. Point of fact, uh, Charlemagne directed that every monastery should have a hospital attached to it, to anything, any cathedral that was built in his empire. Oh, man, I knew that one. That was the other class I took in grad school, Charlemagne. (laughs) You're you're ticking them all off, the few things I know. (laughs) (laughs) So... Yeah, but this was also kind of established in the Christian theology, meaning like to help your neighbor so that service became part of Christendom and following the teachings of Christ. So it became a part of the church that, you know, we should probably heal our sick and our poor if, you know, we want to not be as giant hypocrites as we can be. Yeah, isn't it wild that that wasn't just a given? Yeah. Like some things in history, I'm like, you think that's common sense and everybody just knew to be nice and take care of sick people, but it was not. Nope. Like somebody had to decide that this was a thing and we should do it. Blows my mind. Right. And it's like, oh, I oh. Know, it's kind of sad to think how much humanity is just intrinsically just kind of awful. <laughs> like, yeah. <laughs> like we have to be told to be nice to other people. Like, <laughs> maybe, maybe that's why yeah. we start out as an asshole. Seriously. Look Literally. At, I mean, look it up. <laughs> those are the first cells to form when, as a fetus, is the asshole. Uh, like, he does literally. <laughs> <laughs> You're so excited about it. I get to use it appropriately. (laughs) 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 Uh, It's so true, though. (laughs) It is. Okay. So back to more of the history. So about the mid 1700s, they had finally gotten like the, the areas designated for care of sick people were ended up actually finally being called wards at this point. So wards by the 1700s, some had over 100 beds with multiple patients per bed. So like they were packed in as they could be. And so they were also dark, poorly ventilated, unsanitary, and, you know, usually located right next to other wards with infectious patients. And as we know now, that's not a good way to treat people. Yeah. Lots of forethought. (laughs) Yeah. Do you want disease? This is how we get disease. <laughs> mm, yeah. Do you like uh, necrofasciitis? Because that's how you get necrofasciitis. The flesh-eating disease. It's awful. Don't yeah. look at pictures. This is why we can't have nice bodies. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yes. Oh, God. All right. All right. So 
The actual improvement of hospital conditions actually began with Florence Nightingale, another great figure of history, who basically when she was going around and looking at the mortality rates in in military hospitals, she found that, you know, hey, maybe we should spread people out, you know, get them fresh air and shit might help them get better and reduce our casualties because that's another thing that she's credited with doing was drastically reducing casualties from war which is why everybody actually listened to what the hell a woman had to say in the 1700s <laughs> like oh yeah she saved her ass um maybe we should listen to what she has to say <laughs> all right so then it ended up becoming what was known as a pavilion plan which was first implemented in the hospital La Borissière, built in 1854 in France. Oh. Yeah. So again, it would provide fresh air and daylight because that wasn't a thing before. <gasps> yeah. yeah. Daylight? Mm-hmm. I've ne- I would never think that that would help in making someone feel better. Right. Yeah. Fresh air, <laughs> maybe some exercise, you know, light. Uh, yeah. Every sick person needs to be in a deep, dark, dank hole. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that, that's exactly <laughs> how they should be treated. But yeah, so it was it was through her recommendations and her observations during the war that kind of actually got this to be a thing and actually Im- implemented. And so then there became a multi-patient ward approach, which is also sometimes called the Nightingale Ward. Oh, that's really cool. And you can see it now even. That's where you get the cross formation. So you have the two hallways line to line and with nurses station at the middle was actually a part of that design because in the original design, it was actually an altar that was in the middle so that people could pray and be prayed for and confess their sins and then get treated. Okay. That makes a lot of sense. Yeah. So, yeah. And it actually, in a couple of the monasteries who had this design, the pavilion design and the Nightingale Ward was to actually, they were required to take confession of an individual before they began their treatment. Oh. Yeah. So they would go to the center. Gotta be pure of heart. Yep. (laughs) God heals his followers, right? So since the theme worked, then uh, instead of once it became more modern and less religious, they took out the altar and replaced it essentially with the nurse's station. So that's why the nurse's station is always at the center. Ah, cool. Yes, there is a historical reason why they always sit in the middle there. They're just waiting for you to confess your sins. So that's all. <laughs> yeah. Next time you're in the hospital, <laughs> they make sure to pray to the head nurse. <laughs> I know I was going to say confess and make sure you pray to your head nurse. Like. Yes. <laughs> 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 please, bring dear offering. nurse. Oh God! Um, <laughs> yeah, bring, bring an offering and be like, "Please, dear nurse, do not kill me." <laughs> Unless you have to, but then, <laughs> but, um, but on behalf of all my nurses, nursing friends, and CNA friends, please don't do that. <laughs> They're busy enough as it is; they don't have time for your shit. Yeah, be like, I'm busy. What are you I doing? They don't have the fucking time to listen to your problems, man. Just go yeah. lay down. Pretty much. <laughs> Le- leave the offering. Nix the confession. Yeah. That's- and uh, lots of coffee. Candy and chocolate are highly appreciated. Yeah. Anyways, the last bits on the history of it. We have the oldest hospital in North America was built in Mexico City in 1524. Oh, wow. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's been a while. Huh. And then <laughs> the first pay hospital was opened in London in 1842, where you could pay to get a better room. Okay, I heard hey. <laughs> so I was like, like, hey. No. 
pay. I was very confused. <laughs> yeah. So the first pay <laughs> hospital <laughs> where you could pay to literally get a better room. So I was going to make a joke about like hospital for horses. So. <laughs> yeah, no, 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 no. no. <laughs> It's like that John Mulaney joke. There's a horse in the hospital. <laughs> oh, that was a good one. <laughs> Whoa. Anyway, continue. Right, so that that is <laughs> what I have for you guys on the history portion of hospitals. And I thought you guys would find a lot of that interesting. I did. That was super interesting. <laughs> yeah, I was just like, huh, this is fun. I didn't know this information. Now I know. Thank you, and Florence now Nightingale. You know. <laughs> All right. So I just also wanted to go real quickly on the statistics from these are American hospitals. So because North America, well, United States hospitals, I should say, to be a little bit more clear, because we do have some listeners in Canada and around the world. So your stats don't matter. Ours do. (laughs) (laughs) No, not really. But that's only because the easiest information to find is on the United States because our egos are so big. We don't realize there's no rest of the world. Mm, That's true. Mm -hmm. Yes. Checks out. Yeah. I I think that passes some validity test there. Evidence pretty much points to that. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Right. So anyways, so in terms of United States hospitals, there are. 6,146 hospitals in the United States open today. Wow. Yeah. But that also equates to the number of staffed beds being 924,107. And what that means is that there is one hospital per 53,400 Americans. Oh, wow. Mm. Wow. Oh, man, if anything, it was like a neon sign pointing to why we're screwed in COVID. It's probably that. Well, it gets worse because if you actually do the math, uh, the number of staffed beds. So as in what I mean by staffed beds is a hospital bed where there is actually, you know, a nurse or a doctor who can go in and see you or monitor you kind of because they're also monitoring, you know, 10 to 12 other beds at the same time because they're responsible for their ward. Yeah. That number is one to 355 staffed beds per person. Jesus. So basically 355 patients per one staff member. Is that what you mean? No, per like uh, if you take the population of the United States, break it down by the number of staff beds that are currently available in the United States. That means if every single person in the United States got sick at once, there would be 354 people ahead of you to even get into a bed. Oh, God. Yeah. Oh. That's not great. No. Then we, you know, and then people wonder why there's so much health issues in America where it's like, you know, people are sick and they're sick for months and months and months and they either can't afford to go in or they're on like, you know, this huge waiting list or whatever when they have certain kinds of insurances. It's insane. Yep. Because they really want to kick you out because there's a potential, you know, 350 people waiting for you. So, yeah, that's a thing. And I had surgery my first surgery ever was like a it was an abdominal surgery so it was pretty extensive so they woke me up and then they were like do you need anything for pain and they're like okay you need to get up like the second i woke up they're like you need to start standing up we need you to get up and go to the bathroom or something and then as soon as i got up they moved the bed and then they put a wheelchair and just sat me there while they moved in new beds with people and then they just left me there for a while. <laughs> and then they finally went and got my husband. They're like, you need to get the car around. You guys got to go. 
that they were already moving in the next surgery person in and just it was the weirdest thing to me that I didn't even have time to wake up before I was already out the door. Yep. Was, that's why. And I don't do well with surgery because I get really nauseous when I come out of anesthesia. So oh, I was like no. barfing. <laughs> like, I hate this. But my most recent surgery was lovely. They let me sleep it off. Oh, at least there's that, though. Yeah. That happened to my uncle. Like, he went in for um, a surgery and literally they brought him back out. He was still passed out cold. And they told my aunt to bring the car around. And they basically wheeled him out in the bed and, like, essentially tossed him in the back seat unconscious. <laughs> like, he, was just, he wasn't even awake at all. They just literally, like, flopped him into the back seat and was like, there you go, and shut the door and told her that she could go. My aunt oh, yeah. was like, what am I supposed to do with an unconscious husband here? I can't bring him inside. <laughs> yeah. It's awful. And never like, and the worst part about that is there are so many complications that can happen from anesthesia. Like, yeah. And if you're not monitored, you know, if you're having those happen at home, like, hey, guess what? Hello, ambulance. Yeah. Yeah. When Zeke had his wrist surgery, they he started waking up. They're like, he'll be awake in about 10 minutes to get the car around. And then there was a tornado. And then they put the hospital in lockdown and I couldn't get back in. And then they were still waiting by the door with him as the tornado was going by. And I'm like, what is wrong with the healthcare system? <laughs> like, it wouldn't kill you to just let people, you know, come out of anesthesia before you're yeah. kicking them out. Yeah. I know. Jesus. Right. Yeah. But. Okay, so some more stats. We have the total admissions in all U.S. hospitals at 36,353,946. Oh. Yeah, that in 2020. Yeah. Jeez. Yeah. And here's the number that I think of. Well, I'll, I'll hold off on that number for a second because uh, I want that to be kind of like my end on the stats. So um, my second to last figure is uh, I got... There's rural hospital information out there. And so essentially rural hospitals are the ones that are not located inside of a major city. So, yeah, pretty much if you don't live in a major city, the hospital you go to is considered rural. So since 2005, there have been 173 rural hospital closures. Oh, my God. Mm -hmm. That means people are driving hours. Yes. Like, yeah, you can't even, you can't even get. That happened in my hometown where I grew up there. They closed uh, Calico Rock. And now people that live out by Calico are going to have to drive hours or meet the ambulance halfway. You're yeah. still driving like an hour to get to an ambulance to still go an hour. Like, I can't even imagine. Yeah. There's no emergency care. None. Yep. So many lives will be lost because like strokes, time is what saves you. Yep. Strokes, aneurysm, heart attack. Those are all very time sensitive. Oh the sooner you can get to medical help, the better your chances of surviving and actually surviving unimpaired. Yeah. That's scary. And when you have to drive two and a half hours to get to emergency care, well, you're toast. That's that's really scary. Mm -hmm. All right. Yeah. So and for my last statistic for you guys, this is number is super infuriating. And for our international listeners, here's what's really fucked up about our system. The total expenses for all U.S. hospitals in the year 2000, one trillion, one hundred and twenty two billion, two hundred and seven million, three hundred and eighty seven thousand dollars. Holy. Oh, my God. Uh, that's that's insane. Yeah, that's insane. Mm -hmm. I, I, I hate our healthcare system so much. Anybody in another country that sees stuff like that or like, what is wrong with you? I saw an interview. It was one of those 
like ambush interviews on YouTube or something. And they're like, how much do you think it costs somebody in the U.S. to have a baby? And they're like, zero. And they're like, wrong. <laughs> they're like, because it's like somewhere between like 20,000 and 100,000, depending mm-hmm. if you have a C-section. And they're like, wait, what? Yeah. <laughs> and then they were asking about like just basic stuff, like preventative care. And they're like, free. And they're like, nope. <laughs> and like, how is anybody surviving there? I'm like, that's the question. <laughs> That's that's the question. Yeah, we have to be more educated in our own personal health than any other country in order to avoid all the medical debt. But fun fact, if you are sick and you do not have health insurance, go to a public hospital because they can't turn you down. They will ask for payment and be really mean about it. But you don't have to pay them because they're public and they get tax money. Mm-hmm. If you go to a private one, they can turn you down into man payment. Unless it's emergency care. Sometimes. Some of the private religious ones can turn you down. Uh, depending on how life-threatening your situation, if it is genuinely life-threatening. If it's like, um, sometimes if you are coming in an ambulance and your triage is like super, like they don't have time to get to your money. Mm-hmm. But um, you're also more likely if you go to a public hospital and you don't have insurance, they're more likely to write off your bill because they get tax credits for writing it off. So Yes. Yeah. Yeah. They, that was my uh, early 20s with no insurance was figuring out how to get my stuff written off. So bad. Yeah. I mean, but what else can you do when you're in a situation like that? Like, I know like for me right now, I don't have health insurance because I'm self-employed and like trying to find an affordable health insurance is a nightmare. Like I can't find oh, right. any, yeah. but I had to go in for a couple like lady things. And so I ended up going to Planned Parenthood, which is why Planned Parenthood is so freaking important, by the way, yeah. because I was able to go in, get these treatments done, get, you know, looked at, go through and get like ultrasounds, all this other stuff. And they worked with me on the payment. I could go in and they'd be like, okay, this is how much it's supposed to be. How much of that do you think that you can pay? And I could sit there and and talk it through with them and actually figure out something that was affordable for me. And they helped me through that. Going to, you know, an actual like hospital or a regular, you know, general physician, that's not going to be the case. They're not going to be able to do that for you. Mm -hmm. So... Yep. Yeah. Yep. So that that's a nice, fun, infuriating fact for everybody to kind of <laughs> mull around. Yep. Huge, huge downer. <laughs> right. <sighs> Woo. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Welcome, welcome yeah. to the United yeah. States medical health system. Oh God, it's oh, awful. Yeah, it's it's the worst. I'm, hmm. Yeah. I'm a fan. I say this as I'm technically kind of part of it loosely. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> uh. Yeah, I'm uh, super lucky that I have good insurance for the first time ever, but before it was really rough. I actually had to file for bankruptcy 10 years ago, which is mm-hmm. finally going to be deleted in October. And I'm super excited because then it's like it never happened. Yep. Yay. I, Congrats. Oh, yeah, but I got super sick. I have an autoimmune disease. And when I got sick, I, doctors don't listen to you if you don't have insurance because yep. they're just trying to get you out because you can't pay. And then they send you all your bills and they don't because if insurance will talk down say a twenty thousand dollar bill and the insurance will pay 400 bucks but if you're just paying yourself they don't do that which is also bullshit so i had like eighty thousand dollars of medical debt and i was like i will never be able to pay this off and then i was in a room with a whole lot of people in the same position as me so i'm like this this is just fucked yep yeah america Uh, medical debt is the number one cause of bankruptcy in the united states yeah, because they make you go to court and almost every single one of us, they ask why you have this debt. And every one of us was like, it's medical. 
Yep. I was going to die. Well, yeah. that's why I have this death. Like, I have a pre-existing condition. You won't give me insurance. I don't know what you want. Right. So, thanks, Obama, because now I can get insurance. But before then, I could not. So it was a, yep. Yeah. Yep. It's also a voting year. Voting's important because it's voting people that are going to be voting on stupid healthcare shit. Mm. Yeah. Quick aside. <gasps> for the love of God, please vote. <laughs> please vote. <laughs> yeah, I don't know when this comes out. Like, I know in Texas, you have until October to register to vote. So there's plenty of time. I think it's like October 7th or something. Yeah. So you guys will hear this before then. <laughs> if you aren't registered to vote, check with your state to figure out when you can and register and vote. It is important. Yes. This is I think super it's important. vote.org will break it down to your state. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Either on. that or your local government page will have it under voter registration. They'll have re- voter registration deadlines on their yeah. on your local state's page, web page. Mm. Anyways, yay, hospitals. hospitals. <laughs> 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 and and finally, the one thing that I kind of wanted to riff on for a little bit is why are hospitals so haunted? Ooh. I'm sure there's a lot of uh, unfinished business. If you died suddenly, you're probably just like, what the fuck? <laughs> I was supposed to go to the grocery store. How <laughs> did I end up here? A lot of theorists actually believe that because there is so much emotion involved in a hospital and death involved in the hospital will create a lot of resonance for spirits and ghosts to inhabit the area. And I'm sure you can go to any resident who's been at a hospital for 10 plus years and they'll probably have quite a few ghost stories to tell you. Oh, I'm sure. Yeah, actually... I noticed when I was doing research for this that there was a lot of like pages specifically for nurses and like traveling nurses and stuff like that talking about the different hospitals and how haunted or not haunted they were and like some of the reports and personal accounts from specific nurses that are going around to these different hospitals. I thought that was pretty interesting. There's like an entire website dedicated to that. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Largely, that's how I wanted to wrap this up because a lot of hospitals are haunted as shit. They're already creepy. And then you just add that to it. And you're just like, yeah. You you have the sterile, the cold, and the fact that nobody wants to be there. Mm. And it's haunted as shit. So. Yes. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah. Very true. Obviously, like abandoned hospitals are some of the number one places you see on, you know, any kind of ghost hunting show or. They get talked about quite frequently on ghost podcasts and anything like that. I mean, look, we've talked about them a little bit here and there. Here, here. I mean, you know, yeah, just just roundabout. You know, you'll hear it occasionally. So, I mean, obviously, they they do get super, super haunted. But largely, that belief is mostly because just it's where a lot of people die. Like You're not usually going to hospital because you feel right as rain. You know, you're usually there because something's wrong and you're usually going to die there yeah if you guys are listening to this while you're in the hospital please, (laughs) like you know don't listen to ty and his you're probably gonna have to go there and you're probably gonna die like (laughs) i was trying to think of what you could go to the hospital for we hope that you'll be fine (laughs) oh i guess babies babies are a thing that happened that hopefully you don't die that's probably the only reason you would go you'll be fine don't listen to ty Right. And on that happy note, let's the end of my segment. All right. Thank you so much for that ending note. <laughs> right. Nice and cheery here. And you're like, and I'm usually the resident ruiner and like, Ty, Ty's the one ruining things this season. 
<laughs> like, hey, we're season two now. We got to mix it up. My turn to be the downer. All right. It is my turn. <laughs> That's fine. I'm going to, you know, take my crown off and hand it to you. Put it on your ah, head yes. virtually. <laughs> Resident crown of downdom. <laughs> For those of you who can't see, I did physically remove an invisible crown from my head, hand it to Ty, and he grabbed it from me and put it on his head. <laughs> now, see, and, and you do have to understand, she treated it with reverence. She did it with both hands. I just was the jackass. I just grabbed one and plunked it on my head. And like, yeah, what's up? I'm the it's town like, of king. Crooked. Mm. <laughs> like French, French Prince of Bel-Air status. <laughs> mm. I don't know. I, I think you just dated yourself there with that one. I mean, yeah, I think that. The entirety of this podcast, I've kind of dated myself. I'm old. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, that age thing we don't really talk about too much. Anyways, so uh, time for that uh, hand of truth. Hand of truth. Yes, hand of truth. Okay, so <laughs> I'm going to try to like stick to hands of truth that are relevant specifically to each episode this season, just because I think that would be a little bit more interesting. But this particular one. A Philadelphia woman named Judith Richardson Ames sued Temple University Hospital in 1976 for her loss of psychic ability and was awarded $988,000. What? (laughs) Yeah, she won her case. And I guess what happened is that she worked as a psychic in Newark, Delaware. Like she used to like assist in police investigations and all this other stuff. But she went in for a CAT scan. And she had an allergic reaction to the iodine tracer that they injected her for it. So she broke out in hives. Afterwards, she started having some pretty severe recurring headaches. And because of that, her powers, quote unquote, were compromised from that point on. And she ended up having to shut up her business afterwards. So. Oh, wow. But yeah, she won the case. All right. (laughs) Yeah. Super weird. That's interesting. (laughs) (laughs) I guess they like went under the defense that it cost her loss of profits to have this allergic reaction or whatever. So Mm -hmm. I I don't think they were focusing necessarily on the psychic element of things within the courtroom, but still. (laughs) I'm guessing because no lawyer worth his salt would ever argue that, you know, she lost her psychic abilities. It was probably more that the constant headaches kept her from pursuing any career. And Mm -hmm. so that it really wasn't. I think that was most of it. Yeah, her being a psychic was secondary to the fact that she was no longer able to work anymore in any position because of the constant headaches as a result of the allergic reaction. Exactly. Yeah, super interesting. So whether or not she was full of shit, I think it was true that, you know, the headaches would be bad enough that she couldn't work. Mm -hmm. As someone who gets migraines, I can attest to this. You can't work for shit when those things go on. Here, here, man. Those are awful. Hard thing. (laughs) That was like a good chunk of change, though, man. Yeah, that's what, yeah, it is. Just have a million dollars. Yeah. I don't know yeah. anything about this subject. So, yeah, cool. Cool. Interesting <laughs> fact. Uh, psychic lady actually won for loss of powers. I support I thought, it. I thought that was super weird, though. I came across that and I was like, that is perfect for the fun fact. <laughs> yeah, it is. Yeah, that, that one's that one's fun. Huh. Mm-hmm. Huh. All right. Well, I think I'm going first, right? Yeah. Yes, sure. Uh, take it okay. away, Z. Let, let's hear your fun story for our <laughs> listeners while I settle in and get Mine's comfy. a little bit of a downer, too, so I'm sorry. but We'll try to keep it light. <laughs> I tried to find like a regular hospital since I knew Kino was doing an asylum, but most of the regular hospital handings weren't that interesting. So <laughs> like they were just really predictable. Like It's like, yeah, people see shit or feel shit. Okay. 
<laughs> so yeah, so I ended up finding an asylum because it was more interesting. It had a more colorful background. As they do. Oh yeah. Oh man. Some of them are like super haunted. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. This one's one of the ones that's super haunted. It's real bad. <laughs> it's real bad. I did a lot on like the background and there's actually a little bit of true crime in this as well. So it should oh. be interesting for y'all. So I did the Taunton State Hospital in uh, Taunton, Massachusetts. It was originally known as the State Lunatic Hospital. You know, I wonder why they changed the name. <laughs> cough, cough. No reason. There's, there's no reason no to change reason. that name. That, that's a perfectly yeah, acceptable no, name. at all. No. <laughs> Lunatic Asylum. Yeah, Assholes. But, yeah. but it was originally designed in the neoclassical style by the Boyden and Ball Architect Company in 1854. So it was a beautiful building. And the original campus was 154 acres, but it did expand over the years and eventually included over 40 buildings. So it was a pretty huge campus. Wow. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it was gigantic. This campus was designed using the concepts of the popular psychiatrist at the time, Thomas Story Kirkbride. Ooh, we're going to get into him. <laughs> I kind of figured I only touched on him a little bit in here because I knew that Kino was probably going to talk about it a little bit more. Basically, he was the dude that came up with a design plan for psychiatric hospitals where a lot of like sunlight was involved. So that way, you know, people could heal properly. Yeah. Don't don't chain them into the cellar. That That's not a good way to treat crazy people. Probably not. People no. are just like, people are basically houseplants with complicated feelings. They need the vitamin D. They need to be watered. They need to be outside. And they need to talk about shit. <laughs> yeah. No, I like that. <laughs> We're just houseplants. I, I want to be a houseplant. <laughs> We're complicated houseplants. Yes. We have a lot of complicated feelings. Most of us. Yeah. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so the building design for from Kirkbride was like kind of a batwingish sort of design to let the most amount of light possible within the building. And that was supposed to have curative properties, quote unquote, by allowing people to have, you know, more sunlight and things. During the time that this was built though, the societal views of the mentally ill were absolutely horrendous. Like, my goodness. <coughs> like anybody that was quote unquote mentally ill included Birth defects, learning disabilities, the disabled, veterans with PTSD, Alzheimer's, Parkinson's, Tourette's syndrome, like even things like eating disorders and panic attacks, you know, yep. even something as simple as a woman that was disobedient. Yep. Oh, yeah. Hysterical. She's hysterical. Yes, Lock she's her hysterical. Up. Yes, exactly. Throw her, throw her in and throw away the key. Sorry, uh, just oh. a quick interjection. I have to do you guys know the origin of hysterical, right? The word? I don't think I do. Yeah, it's um it's one of the humors, right? Well, no, the act the root of hysterical is histora, which is the Greek word for uterus. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They thought that the humor that your uterus floated through your body. And would just like bang in your head. And that's what made women crazy. Yeah. And is your uterus is just, you know, bumping in. Bang in your head. Just getting a uterus slapped all over the place or what? <laughs> yeah. If you literally translate hysteria, it actually is craziness derived from the uterus. So basically being crazy because you're a woman. Yeah. Having a uterus makes you crazy. My uterus does make me pretty crazy sometimes, but 
Yeah. Not like I should be committed crazy. (laughs) Yeah. No, but that, that's the root of hysterical. And why it's not necessarily the best thing to say, if you actually know what nope, it means. Unless and they used to treat hysteria with orgasms. That's why vibrators exist, because the doctor's hands got tired. Yep. <laughs> They're like, fuck the shit, we need something easier. Give me something that moves on its own. Oh, you should see <laughs> the like, first vibrator. Course. That thing is fucking hilarious. It looks like a farm machine. <laughs> yeah, it does. And it's not even like a dildo attached <laughs> to the end. It's just like a rubber rod. Yeah. Oh. Great. Damn. Yeah. I, don't, oh, yeah. I don't like that. Yeah. It, it, <laughs> like it had like a bunch of gears and pulleys that would just make it like thrust back and forth. And that's all it did. And it was like this giant monstrosity attached to like a, a maternity bed with the stirrups and everything. And they would strap women in there and just have that machine go at them until they orgasmed. All right. It, yeah. yeah. The more you know. The more you know. <laughs> Fun times. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> on the on the flip side of that, though, you could also be committed for excessive masturbation. So I True. mean, men weren't mm. safe either. <laughs> but yeah, they were all kind of lumped into the same thing, and uh, nobody really wanted to see and or hear about anybody with a quote unquote mental illness because it would reflect poorly on a family status. So mm-hmm. they basically would just like either put them in their own little disappointments room, quote unquote. That's what it actually said in the article. Yeah. Disappointments room. <laughs> that, that's actually what they were called. Uh, like yes. they would have a, they, if a family was wealthy enough, they could have a room built that was literally called the disappointments room where they would put anybody who was suffering from any kind of mental illness in the family and some of them are actually uh, there are a couple castles i believe that were had entire wings that were basically disappointment rooms where they would shove like i think there was like 13 family members in one family's line that they were all in the disappointment wing at the same time and all they like they were just like (laughs) schizophrenics or like tourettes or um postpartum I think were the reasons why they were in there. Yeah, first prime is another one that they would commit people for. But yeah, it was just like they'd shove them in a room or they'd send them to the lunatic asylum, one or the other. That was like the two choices that everybody went with because they didn't yeah. want to have anybody know that they had someone with that was struggling in any way. <laughs> and they'd be shoved in the basement in the boiler room and chained. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> um, basically, this entire process was a dehumanizing thing. You know, they would just throw them in an insane asylum and call it a day and then they weren't treated as humans while they were in the insane asylum either (laughs) yeah they would essentially end up either science experiments and or um, subject to a lot of abuse or neglect was the other one oh yeah one of the most frequent is sexual abuse yeah Pretty much anything and everything you can think of that would be bad is essentially what they went through yeah i mean it would be things like floggings and beatings and solitary confinement you know they even had uh, what they called sound therapy, which is where they would bring like an opera singer in. And basically the opera singer would sing super loudly at these poor people with probable sensory issues. So that one's one that got me because I have family members with autism and they are very yeah. sensory sensitive. So if someone came in just like literally at the top of their lungs singing in their face, like they would literally have a meltdown. But that is awful. Yeah. So, but yeah, my uh, bachelor's is actually in psychology. It's very random why I'm a historian, but we had to learn about some of them. There's this one device, it's a box and -hmm. they put the box over your head and then they put something you're afraid of in the box, like spiders or snakes Mm -hmm. or whatever to try to scare the crazy out of you, quote unquote. 
I can't imagine. I am very irrational, but I am so terrified of snakes. If you put one in my face, I would, I don't know what I would do. I, I would just short circuit. <laughs> just I'm like, and I'm dead. This is how I die. Well, I can't imagine. Actually, that's some of the reason, some of the supporting evidence they had for it was the people who would go into sensory overload had shut down. It would be their support for the fact, oh, the crazy went away for a little while. So we know this treatment works because they just shut down. Oh, it went like catatonic. Yeah, I was about to say they didn't understand catatonia. Yeah. Oh, uh, well, yeah. Oh, man, uh, this stuff went on for a long time. It was like the yeah. 60s, late 60s before ice pick lobotomies even ended. Yeah. Yeah, and, uh, lobotomies was another big one. And I think there was a major medical journal on anatomy done, but all of its experiments were done, like to discover anatomy and like how the body functioned, were done on psychiatric patients, uh, typically without any anesthetic. So they would be yeah. strapped down and literally cut open for science experiments. Mm -hmm. And then somebody would be there writing down while they're screaming and writhing in pain. That's actually, if I remember correctly, how they discovered how half the digestive tract worked was through those experiments because they would literally cut open their stomach and put food in it and like cut open the rest and watched as it traveled through their intestines. Ugh, that's, that's disgusting. So, so disgusting. Yeah. And they were live people and no anesthetic. Yeah. It's a brutal, brutal history. And if you really think about it, like the beginnings of psychology, it really didn't even begin until around 1774 at the end of like, because um, that was when they were just chaining people to walls and leaving them. Yep. So around 1774 was the Madhouse Act, which is like, hey, we should treat them like people. And like from that moment into like the deinstitutionalization movement of the 60s, psychology was growing so incredibly fast. And I think everybody was just trying to figure something out. So they were doing horrible experiments trying to figure out, be the person to discover the thing. And a lot of people suffered. Yep. Oh, yeah. I mean, it did birth psychiatry, but yes. But yeah, like how many people suffered to get there kind of thing. Mm -hmm. And you're totally right. I mean, the that thought process on the mentally ill was popular well into the 1940s. And things didn't really change until, yeah, like the 1950s, 1960s, when deinstitutionalization started to come in. It still didn't quite shift all the way until about the 1970s of, you know, that mentality of just lock these people up, throw away the key and, mm -hmm. you know, ignore them. And that's so sad. I mean, that's like, that's not very long ago. I mean, no, no it's not like it, some of our listeners were alive then and or at the very least your parents were or grandparents. Like, yeah, yeah, exactly. Like as soon as I get into mine, I this is based on my research that I did in graduate school and I created a website and the only emails I get are people asking me to try to find information on their grandparents like they were there. Oh, like, wow. It's very recent. And it's. Or somebody had like a great uncle or something, but it's all very recent relatives that were there and they just are desperate to find out something. And mm -hmm. Yeah, something more about them. I'm like, this really hurts my heart. That's so sad. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so uh, nice, happy, happy thoughts, happy moment. <laughs> yeah, right? <laughs> Super happy thoughts. I know, and then I have to be the jackass that's like, I'm sorry, everything was destroyed in a flood and I have nothing to show you and I just feel really bad. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it's just... Again, like I'm not sure who who won the downer crown on that one. Um. <laughs> I know, like this is this is it. Yeah, I mean, we're getting out of some of the downer bits, at least. <laughs> some of them. I'm gonna. I'm gonna some of them. But then we're gonna talk about ghosts. So yeah. <sighs> so, but basically, the shift in thought process and uh, 
like, sorry, my brain stopped working for a second. I want to start that sentence again momentarily. Okay. <laughs> Reboot. Okay, so the paradigm shift in like the ideas of what mental illness was when that started to take hold in the 1970s, that's about when this hospital took a dive. In 1975 was when the main hospital was actually closed down and abandoned, leaving only like small portions of the campus still functioning as a mental health facility. In uh, the early 1990s, the state actually did have a $19 million improvement plan for the unabandoned portions of the campus. But that kind of got shut down in 1999 when the dome above the administration section of the building completely collapsed. Uh, So they ended up just going like, oh, well, we're going to cut our losses and not even worry about it. It was basically left to rot until 2005 when a fire broke out and it was a massive fire. Like it took several fire departments to try to put it out. And at that point is when they decided to demolish the original complex and they only left some of the decrepit bat wings, essentially, on the outsides of it. So the Kirkbride portions of the buildings is where what they left. And they were still using portions of the campus at this point as well. After that, they ended up selling off pretty much all of the really pretty ornamental stuff that was still in the buildings and demolished the bat wing portions in 2009. So those ended up going down as well. The last remaining parts of the campus in use were officially shut down as a mental home in 2012. So still not that long ago. Yeah. Now it's being used as a women's recovery and addiction program. They take about 40 patients on and they actually do have the campus greenhouse still up and running. And they use that for the women's recovery program for them to grow plants and produce for the community at large. So it's being used for a really good cause now. Which is pretty cool. Yeah, that is pretty cool. Yeah. Now we're going to get into the creepy bits. Yay. Yay. Creepy bits. <laughs> ah, delicious, delicious creepy bits. Mmm, I can <laughs> taste them already. <laughs> <laughs> Tastes like Halloween candy corn. Anyway. <laughs> yeah. No. <laughs> no. Something delicious, not that. <laughs> Candy corn is delicious for like the first two and then after that. No, it's not. No, it's not. (laughs) You're lying to yourself because you think they should be delicious. That's not the same thing. I kind of like them. I just can't eat a lot of them. Anywho. So a lot of the stories that started to pop up for this particular hospital was after it was already shut down and uh, people started to explore the ruins. One of the websites I was reading a lot of the history and background was newbedfordguide.com. And I, I took a quote from there because it made me laugh. Creepy stories started to come out when people started to just explore the ruins on their own. It basically said that exploring the ruins could sometimes be code for, quote unquote, hanging out, getting drunk and smoking weed. (laughs) Oh, no, the nefarious weed. The devil's lettuce. That reefer madness will come upon you. (laughs) I know, right? And I was thinking to myself, I'm like, the writer of this article was definitely in the camp of these people are full of shit kind of thing where like ah, Mm -hmm. they're just imagining things you know they're not really too much of a believer in yeah i mean why ever would would the abandoned ruins of you know a hundred year old hospital dedicated to the suffering of mentally ill ever be haunted no (laughs) makes no sense no right no not in a million years but i thought it was funny though because they they said that 
And my first thought was, I can't think of a single person that would have like, except for except for one. I will say this. Okay. Except for one that would drink or smoke weed and have heavy hallucinations. <laughs> Ties the one. <laughs> <laughs> the arm went up so fast. <laughs> I know. That's why I said except for one, because I know Ty has hallucinations when he smokes weed. <laughs> yes. And my brother's. Oh, I've never smoked weed, so I don't know. I'm probably like the only 30-something-year-old I know, besides my husband. We both have never tried it. Ah, fair enough. Meh. Yeah. I've tried it, but it's like meh for me. I mostly use it for when my back seizes, and it just makes me tired. Meh. <laughs> I assume my anxiety would either get worse or I would just sleep, so I'm not sure I want to chance the anxiety one going up because I already have just rabid anxiety. See, and I have anxiety so. too, but it just makes me tired, so... Eh. <laughs> Depends on the person, your like, body chemistry. Yeah, I should probably try it. So people have actually gone through and done some research as to why this place might be super, super fucking haunted. And uh, one of the major ones that people talk about is the serial killer Jane Topin or Toppin. Ooh. I'm not sure if it's Topin or Toppin, but she was actually interred here after she went through trial. Wow. So Topin was born in 1854. She died in 1938 at the ripe old age of like 81, I think. Oh, man. I can't do math right now. She lived a long time. <laughs> she definitely outlived those fuckers. <laughs> Seriously, though. But she was born a Nora Kelly. Nickname was Nora. But she was nicknamed Jolly Jane. Oh, yeah. that's creepy. So jolly, right? I don't right? like that. <laughs> Wait until you hear what all she did. <laughs> Uh-oh. <laughs> so- Strap in, listeners. Get ready for a ride. <laughs> <laughs> so... She claimed that her life goal was to have killed more people, helpless people, mind you, than any other man or woman that ever lived. Oh, so that was like her life goal. Hashtag goals. I was about to say, like, that's that's quite a goal, but holy shit. Right. Wow. So basically, she grew up in Boston in a female asylum for unwanted children. So she was essentially in foster care, but that's what they called it back then. She Mm -hmm. ended up being fostered as an indentured servant to a woman named Anne Toppin. Oh, no. Who ended up changing her name to Jane. She did have a sister named Delilah, but her sister was not adopted And she actually was sent to the streets for prostitution when she was of age, which that sentence there made me think that she probably was not of actual age or something like that. It probably just like waited until she got to like old enough, quote unquote, and then just pushed her out the door. So her sister was not as lucky, I guess. Maybe, maybe not. Well, I mean, I feel as though she had it like pretty okay compared to Delilah or Delia. Sorry, her sister's name was Delia. But for Jane, when she turned 18, that's when her indentured servitude ended and she was given $50 for her time spent as an indentured servant. Oh, right. I was like, oh, wow, a whole 50 bucks. But uh, she actually ended up staying with the family as a regular family servant until Anne passed away and Anne's daughter went off to marry. So she stayed there for quite a long time. After that, she ended up attending Cambridge Hospital in Boston to train as a nurse. And her career from then on is pretty much as follows. As soon as she started work as a student nurse, she started to falsify medical records to keep patients in the hospital longer in order to continue to get to know them, quote unquote. 
She strongly felt that elderly patients were useless and not worth keeping alive. Oh, no. (laughs) She killed at least a dozen people while a student nurse. I'm assuming that's a baker's dozen, by the way. (laughs) (laughs) She ended up dosing elderly patients with opium to see how they would react to the drug. And she would slowly up the dose to see, like how their body would react until they would suffer and die, essentially. That's how she killed people. They'd OD on opium. Yep. Uh Uh-huh. And after that, she started experimenting with different types of poisons on patients that she had in her care. And then she would nurse them back to health for them to have a miraculous recovery and she'd get all the credit for it. Oh, like Munchausen's by proxy kind of thing? Kind of, except she genuinely enjoyed killing people. Yikes. She ended up working as a private nurse for families in Boston for years, like without ever getting caught. She would kill elderly family members and she'd steal their belongings. Like she ended up killing uh, doctors, landlords, fellow nurses and friends that she got bored of. Oh, no. (laughs) Yep. The only reason she was caught was because she ended up using a metallic based poison on one particular victim and that sparked an investigation so it's the only reason she got caught oh man she just looks like she's just tired of everybody's shit yep pretty much (laughs) 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 yeah whoa that's a face you can trust right Right? she looks so nice and friendly and you know motherly (laughs) <laughs> and since you listeners can't see the photo, uh, that is one mean looking lady. Yeah, mm-hmm. she is. I'll, I'll post it with the show stuff. So you'll you'll see how judgmental she looks. She's a Karen of Karens. <laughs> the Karen of Karens. <laughs> uh, but in 1902 is when she ended up being found not guilty what? of her crimes. Yes, they found her not guilty. But after the trial, she confessed to her attorney that she killed more than 100 people and would sometimes get into bed with her victims as they convulsed from the poison and die. Oh, gross. Oh, that's bad. Needless to say, her attorney ended up reporting it and they tried her a second time and they found her guilty and committed her to life in an asylum. Yeah. Can you imagine me and the attorney? Stop talking. No. Pretty. Yeah, exactly. At least he like, you know, didn't go like, oh, well, attorney client privilege. And he's like, no, I need to tell somebody (laughs) like good on him for that. But when she finally did get into the asylum, she refused to eat because she was convinced that her food was poison. I wonder why. I know a little bit of comeuppance for her. And like I said earlier, she died at the ripe old age of 81. So she was one of those, you know, useless elderly people that deserved to die that she hated so much. <laughs> There's reports of people that think that they have seen her, quote unquote. And that's part of the reason why that place is so haunted. Another super famous female killer that is associated with this hospital is Lizzie Borden. Oh, God. Whoa. And it's not because she was actually like, in the building at any point ever. She literally was housed in the jail next door. And so people oh. are just like, eh, we'll lump her in there. It's fine. Close enough. It's Lizzie Borden. <laughs> it's close enough, I guess. Shrug. <laughs> <laughs> um, so that's another one that people always talk about is Lizzie Borden. Some of the claims of the bits of 
how this place is haunted is uh, within the buildings, but also around the campus in the nearby woods as well. And there's also reports for a campus cemetery, but I did read one article that said that there's actually not a real cemetery on the campus and that there's one like nearby in the town. So it's not like actually a part of the hospital campus, but you know, that might be just a mistake either that or, you know, other way around. Or there wasn't an official cemetery, but there was an unofficial one. Yeah. Right. And they were like buried somewhere on the ground and unmarked graves. (laughs) Well, that, that actually happened. They had poppers graves for the most part. And I know a few of them, would say, quote unquote, that they moved the bodies, but then there was no proof that anything moved except for the markers. Some weird shady shit. Oh, yeah. Super shady shit. I've seen poltergeist. I know what happens when you don't (laughs) move the bodies. It's so true, though. That's how you get ghosts. (laughs) Bury them in a cemetery that has a fence. (laughs) Um, But some of the claims are screams, apparitions, unexplained noises. There was also a lot of rumors, especially towards the end of the hospital being open, of satanic rituals being performed by the doctors and nurses who worked there. Because I guess there was like a lot of patients that were saying that a lot of the other patients would go down into the basement with the nurses and doctors, but then never come back up again. And so all these rumors started about them sacrificing patients to the devil. Oh, dear. Yeah. It's very dramatic. Super dramatic, yeah. Uh, There's also reports of random blood appearing, like handprints, blood on the basement walls. Uh, Yeah. Nope, nope, nope. nope. (laughs) There's also cold spots reported all over the place there. The basement, a lot of people say they have cold spots follow them around, even in the hot summer months. There was one girl that used to work there that said that she saw a man made of smoke twice in the basement, and like, None of the other like upper people that she worked with would believe her. They kept saying she was just imagining things because it's creepy in the basement. But some of the other nurses and lower people that worked there were like, yeah, no, we see stuff all the time. Wow. Another guy said that he was going down into the basement. He got to the very last step and then something kind of stopped him. And he closed his eyes and allegedly he experienced in vivid detail the smell of smoke. He heard a drum playing. And like heard weird chanting. He took like a step back and the scene just like instantaneously left his mind's eye. And the next morning he quit. Like he was like, no, I'm out. (laughs) This shit's crazy. (laughs) Which I do not blame him. If I had that happen to me, I'd be like, nope, 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 nope. Paycheck isn't worth it. I'm out. (laughs) People also have heard cries for help in and around like the woods and things. There's also tons of different firsthand experiences of a man on the third floor. Some people report him as a man walking down the corridors wearing white. Other people have reported seeing him kind of like fading in and out and then he disappears. There's also been a shadowy figure that is crawling along the walls. <gasps> no. Yep. No, 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 Hated no, that no. one. Not, no. not a fan. That one gets kind of lumped in with a lot of people in some of the old rooms were saying that they would see someone standing in the corner, like a a man standing in the corner watching them. And then they would turn on the lights or like a flashlight and they would be gone. Oh, gross. Yeah. Mm -mm. A lot of nopes. So many nopes. (laughs) Some people actually said of the dude standing in the corner that they think it's the devil waiting for his next sacrifice. And I read that. It was like, devil ain't got time for that. Like... (laughs) 
he doesn't give a shit. <laughs> he's not going to be standing in a room just waiting for you. I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah. He's got more important things to do. He has people for that. Yeah. <laughs> There's also reports of lights turning on and off, even in portions of the buildings that didn't have electricity at the time. Doors slamming. There's also, I read one article where people had been reporting an elderly man in the grass. And this one kind of made me laugh a little bit because <laughs> like the the dude shows up in like a je- like jeans and a dark shirt. He looks more like he used to be like an employee that worked there. But they see him crouching down and like stroking the grass. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> so I don't know if he's just like on the floor, just like, yes, beautiful grass. <laughs> they did such a good job mowing this lawn. Like, I, don't, I have no idea. He was probably just one of the guys who got dosed up on ecstasy and he was just feeling the texture. <laughs> Oh, that makes a lot of sense, actually. But people have approached him thinking that he's a real person. And then when they get close enough, he just smiles and disappears. Yeah. They're just like, ooh, the grass is pretty <laughs> and it's so soft. Well, she did say that he looks up and grins, checks yes. out. <laughs> he's just feeling himself. Yeah, it's the ecstasy. He's <laughs> like, fuzzy. Mm, <laughs> Uh, that one I felt like was a little friendlier than some of the more creepy yeah. ones, at least. So uh, there was a young man that was arrested on drug charges, and he was actually being held in one of the buildings on campus. And he managed to escape, even though he was only supposed to be there overnight until they were going to send him to uh, another facility for therapy, as far as his drug problem mm-hmm. went. And he ended up getting out. And going to the campus cemetery that may or may not exist, he was hiding behind one of the tombstones when he felt a cold hand on his shoulder. Oh. He thought that it was a person had caught him. So he uh, like immediately put his hands up and he turned around. And when he did, there was no one there. He ended up hearing a whisper in his ear with no one around him that said, leave. This obviously freaked him the hell out. And so he ended up returning to the facility and turning himself back in. (laughs) He's like, nope, 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 not worth it. (laughs) Yeah. And uh, a quick note about like the cemetery, though, is, you know, the official or unofficial thing I've been kind of thinking about for a second. It was just because, you know, there there were official cemeteries and there were the unofficial ones for all the broke people who had no Mm -hmm. family where they would just bury Mm -hmm. them just to get them out of the way. So they're probably was a cemetery quote unquote on campus that had nothing to do with actually respecting the dead mm-hmm. yeah but it, oh. i mean if the dude was hiding behind behind a tombstone though according to his story i mean that wouldn't be there if it was unmarked grave no i mean you can still have this person died here's a headstone i'm just saying like that was just kind of what was trickling in my head for a little bit um fair enough <laughs> well that's pretty much it that i got for that particular portion of things if you guys want to see some really really cool pictures of the hospital when it was abandoned before it got demolished you can actually find those on abandonedamerica.us slash taunton dash state dash hospital and uh i'll put a link for all like the show stuff and whatever they're really really cool like this person actually went through and was able to take some really beautiful pictures and talk about the history of the building itself before it was torn down so it was pretty cool cool that's really cool Mm -hmm. it's a beautiful building man they did such a good job 
It's a shame that they tore it down. Yeah. yeah. Most of the Kirk Brides got torn down. It's really sad. Just mm-hmm. costs too much to keep them going. I mean, this one, like, I even saw some of the pictures in other articles of it back in its heyday when it was first erected. And it was beautiful, beautiful, beautiful. Like, it had, it's definitely neoclassical style, if you know anything about architecture but it was really pretty but yeah that's all i got for the taunton hospital yay so pretty right (laughs) (laughs) to the google all right so i think i've mentioned a few times that mine is also an asylum well uh, hold on hold on true crime headline first oh yeah okay (laughs) true crime headline npr voice (laughs) npr voice welcome to our true crime headline (laughs) <laughs> yes, yeah, so it's time for a true crime headline. <laughs> Woo! Why did your arm go up like you were about to praise Jesus? In the name of the Lord! I don't know. That's where I'm at. <laughs> Is that enough justice for the true crime headline? Then? Yes. Invoke the Lord! <laughs> and I say unto you, my brothers and sisters. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Uh, anyway, no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> true crime headline, true crime headline. Yes. So I actually found this particular story in two different media outlets. One was the New York Post and one was BBC News. And both of the headlines made me chuckle. So I included both of them. Okay. But it's the same story. So the first one in the New York Post was cops hunt for person wearing creepy 17th century plague doctor costume. (laughs) (laughs) BBC News, coronavirus. Helston Walker's plague doctor outfit, terrifying kids. (laughs) There. (laughs) Yep. (laughs) The slight rundown on this, which, oh, it's so good. So on the BBC version of this, it said that police are Keen to trace a person walking around Helston Village near Norwich in a 17th century plate costume to, quote unquote, have a word with him. <laughs> or her. I guess it could be him or her. But <laughs> I found this particularly really hilarious because this is in Norwich, which is where my husband's from. Oh, yeah, yeah. Oh, wow. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. He's, he's not from Helston. But uh, it's like the surrounding area of Norwich. But he thought it was hilarious. I actually did ask him how to pronounce Helsden. Get <laughs> <laughs> uh, a local. They'll tell you. Because it's spelled H-E-L-L-E-S-O-N. It's like Hellison is how it's spelled, but it's Helsden. <laughs> All right. Good job, so England. Hard. Good job. <laughs> yeah. English is weird. <laughs> But basically, this person has been dressing this way for about two weeks when the article came out. On their daily morning walk. <laughs> okay. So once a day, every morning, this person will get just dressed to the nines in a full-on 17th century plague doctor costume to take their morning walk. Brilliant. Uh, I'm down. I'm down. Right? I was like, that's really cool. Yeah. I mean, the beaks are very large. They could probably fit snacks in them, you know? Like, Right? Just tilt your head back and yeah. On a historical note, though, I will say like the reason why they have those there was they used to fill them with cloves and incense in order to drive the smell away. Yep, exactly. That's why they had the long nose. Mm-hmm. Those were usually filled with fragrant but, things. I mean, I would use it for snacks. So me too. <laughs> <sighs> hey, every day is Halloween. Okay. Exactly. Right. May as well do something with twenty twenty. 
<laughs> may as well have some fun in 2020 while we can. I think the best part of these articles, though, is like from the BBC article is they included quotes from local people in the area. <laughs> oh, yeah. God. What do the locals have to say? <laughs> so I, I have a I have a couple here. The first one says, scared the life out of my missus. Terrifying for kids. <laughs> the second one is just casually strolling around the village in a plague costume. That's not normal, is it? Do it indoors. It's bloody terrifying for poor little kids. Oh, yeah. And hold on. Hold on. That's a lot way less terrifying, right? You walk by this house, look in the window, and there's just somebody staring out at their lawn and this plague mask behind a curtain. Like, oh, yeah, yeah, no, that's way less terrifying. <laughs> that is way scarier. Jeez. Um, do it inside. That's terrifying. At least you can see them in broad daylight. <laughs> They're just going for a walk, man. They're not hurting anybody. <laughs> The next one is, it's not illegal if he can't, and if he can't wear it now, when could he? (laughs) (laughs) The voice of reason. Uh, And then there is also a quote included from Danny Buck, who is a historian at the University of East Anglia, who spotted the picture and said, it's quite a smart looking costume, but it's important people realize that in the 17th century, plague doctors were the brave ones who went out to see people with the disease. Aw. Yeah. I was like, that's so good. <laughs> I do <sighs> like how he complimented this person on their 17th century costume skills, though. <laughs> I'm over here going, you know what? Hmm. I'm about to get me some leather. <laughs> Make me one. Getting kinky in here, Ty. <laughs> well, if we want to get into it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah. That's the end of my true crime headline. It tickled me. I was chuckling at it pretty hard today. It was great. Yeah. That's hilarious. I will say I enjoy the through line between what's going on right now Mm -hmm. for future historians and (laughs) the actual doctor part of it. Right. I shared something on my social media for the podcast and it was like, choose your plague doctor. And it's all kinds of different bird beaks. And you can get from like Uh a penguin to like an owl to a finch, a parrot. Hummingbird, raven, raven skull. It's just really funny. I think it's probably the most re- like interaction I've ever had on a thing. Everybody's like, oh my God, I want to be the raven or something. It was just really funny. And then they start coming up with a- That is amazing. Hashtags. So like penguins against plagues, corvids against COVID. It's <laughs> getting very creative. <laughs> I love that. That is amazing. Oh. Also, I would want a penguin beak for sure. That is awesome. It's- I want to so be a tiny, cute. adorable penguin. I, I'd have to say toucan. Oh, yeah, there's a pelican. You can fit a lot of snacks in a pelican. Oh, my gosh. So many snacks in a pelican. Hell, yeah. Just that, you know, coming down. Ouch. <laughs> oh, these are weird times that we live in. They are. But these are conversations are. we're having. It's uh, Oh, yeah, yeah definitely. It's, it's wild because somebody reminded me on Twitter the other day that in January, we did an episode on the plague, and I think we made some crack joke about like oh glad we don't have to live through one of these <laughs> it's just like months later we're like fuck you spoke too soon <laughs> didn't mean to do that yeah i swear 2020 yeah. is just the year that fate is listening to us and trying to fuck yes. us over i mean it's- somebody talked about killer bees and that's exactly how that happened mm-hmm. yeah i saw i was flipping through something earlier and they're like there's gonna be a tiny asteroid that's gonna hit the Earth. They won't do anything because it's so little. But I'm like, what if they miscalculate? <laughs> it's 2020. Anything can happen. I'm uh, true fearful. But it'll probably end up being like the one that hit Russia, not 
too long ago where it just exploded in the atmosphere and there's a whole bunch of video oh, of yeah, it. Yeah, that was really uh, beautiful, but probably just pants shitting scary at the time if you were there. Yeah, it, it actually did. The sonic boom flattened a bunch of forest land. Man, yeah, I saw the... It looked like out of like an apocalypse movie. It did. Oh, poor trees. Yeah, poor trees. It'll probably be something like that, at least uh, I think what they're calculating, mm-hmm. but or it might have some impact and it'll just be a lo- confined to a local area. Won't kick up anything into the troposphere or anything like that. Yeah. So we don't. So Bruce Willis can stay retired. <laughs> oh, I haven't seen that in forever. Yeah. <laughs> Give my arm again on. Oh, but yeah, 2020, please be kind. We can't take much more. I don't think 2020 has a kind bone inside of it. I don't think so either. It's it's getting ridiculous. Yeah, uh, I was telling my mom the other day. Yeah, 2020 is getting kind of biblical, isn't it? <laughs> it really is. Plague. <sighs> and start raining blood and locusts. Murder hornets. And and locusts hit the Middle East. Yeah, they did. Yeah, I was about to happened. say the locusts were a thing. Yeah, like yeah. we we just how much we've had to get used to is like it's like oh yeah, people forget like massive locusts hit like to the point like they were releasing ducks to help fight the locust plague. <laughs> like it's a real thing, and it actually helped. They're just like feeding frenzy. Woo! I love that thought process of we have a locust problem. Release the ducks. <laughs> that is amazing. Yep. And then oh. like now, now we have the two hurricanes hitting at the same time. And mm. we're just like, yeah. and like Colorado's on fire. California's on fire. Fire tornado. Yeah. Fire tornado. Yeah, it was like, thing I saw. Oh my God. I swear to God, if those hurricanes hit and there's a Sharknado, I'm going to lose my shit. <laughs> thought of that today. I was talking to my mom and I was like, man, what if there really is a Sharknado? Then we have to apologize for making fun of that movie so much. She's no, like, we I will don't. never apologize. No, we don't. <laughs> there's no need to apologize for making fun of it. I, re- I really like your mom. Like, <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, she's she's something. <laughs> oh, All right. So that was our true crime headline and tangent. <laughs> Kina story, Kina story. Turn it over to Kina, yeah. My story, my story. So I am going to talk about the Arkansas Lunatic Asylum, a.k.a. the Arkansas State Hospital for Nervous Diseases, a.k.a. the Arkansas State Hospital. She's had a lot of names. Apparently. Wow. Mostly very problematic names, but names nonetheless. Well, it is Arkansas, so. (laughs) They sure are names. (laughs) Yes. Just a little disclaimer. A lot of words connected with asylums are, you know, negative. But when we talk about it in history, it's just because it's historical context. And those words weren't insensitive back then. They are today. So if I say words like insane or lunatic, I'm saying it historically and not to be an asshole. That'll be page one of my book. (laughs) (laughs) Don't yell at me. I did not use these terms. They did. Oh, yeah. the, the, the classic don't at me moment. Yeah, well, I had to. This was my thesis in grad school. So I had to make a digital exhibit. So this is like page one. I knew these words are bad, but they're historically accurate. And then, you know, also the paper you have to write that too. So it's a very fine mm-hmm. line to study this stuff because, as we discussed in your story, they made a lot of mistakes and they were quite horrible for quite a long time. Uh, 
Greed. And we talked about that earlier in my segment about how yeah. you, know, you have to be told not to be an asshole. Yes. Yes, yes. That is very true. And yeah, All we right. had to be told that, oh, yes, there's still people. Yeah. That didn't really come around until later, sadly. That didn't come around uh, until people you know's lifetime. One of my favorite podcasts is called Queen's Podcast, and their whole saying tagline is history is a bag of dicks. And I just think about that all the time because I'm like, it's so true. Yeah. All right. So we're going to. Seriously, though. <laughs> I need to get like a bag. History is a bag of dicks. So we're going to take the way back machine to the later half of the 19th century. And at this point, Arkansans were really frustrated and outraged about the care of their mentally ill. At this point, it was one of the only states that didn't have any sort of asylum built. There were different kinds. There was the Kirkbride, which was really spreading across the country. And there were a few other ones that were similar, but not necessarily that. But Arkansas had nothing. All there was was one law. It was a pauper law from the 1820s that said that if you had somebody in your family that was mentally ill, and you can't take care of them, then they go to jail, essentially. Jeez. Yeah, that, that another dark side of mental care in America, yeah. and just mental care in general, was a lot of them just got locked up in prison because they didn't know what the fuck to do with them. Yeah, it was really bad. And Arkansas is a very small state, and it's also a very poor state. And uh, if you were super poor, you went to jail, too. So... It wasn't going very well. All the jails were overcrowded. There weren't enough people to take care of them. And people were getting really angry. And they were also kind of embarrassed. A lot of newspapers from the time said things like this quote says, Disgraceful and barbaric. Insanity is not a crime, but it is a misfortune. So there's just headlines going left and right all over the state. People are like, what, what is wrong? Why are we not catching up with everybody else? So it's one of the few examples where a mental health movement was started by the people, not the government. So I found that really interesting. And That's awesome. Kind of a long history of Arkansans being ashamed of their state and then, like, <laughs> get it together. <laughs> you said it. I was Please. about to, but you said it. <laughs> oh, no, we know. We know. It's we get a bad rap. It's it's uh, not yeah, undeserved was, bad rap either. That's the worst part. Oh, yeah. Some of it's not great. <laughs> Uh, born and raised. Yay, me. Yes, and, and we love our Arkansas listeners, but come on, we have to be real now. <laughs> if you're from there, we know. We we get it. It's uh, We're the butt of a lot of jokes. At least you're not Mississippi. Oh, yeah, that's our saying. Thank God for Mississippi. <laughs> we say that a lot. And I think Mississippi probably says, thank God for Arkansas, or I don't know what state they shit on. But Thank God for Louisiana is what on. they say there. Oh, okay, yeah. Yeah, I, uh, I did get to go to Europe one time, and it was a... Uh, school trips they had different groups and we were paired with the mississippi group and the whole time we were like okay this is why we say that <laughs> they were so rude it's like, oh, <laughs> Just, we, it was awful. we get it now there's truth they were the take my american dollars because i'm from america and we're like oh that's not a good look that that's that. not how economies work <laughs> yeah <laughs> uh-huh. I'm, I'm sorry but no <laughs> and another really good quote that i liked it says quote we want the state lunatic asylum and we ought to have it even if we have to mortgage the state house to get the money to pay for it. And the state house was our capital building at the time. So people are like, you're not going to pay for it. We're going to come after your shit. So the government's like, all right, we can't ignore this anymore. So in 1873, which is pretty late for this movement, because it's pretty much over by 1900, the Kirkbride movement. Mm-hmm. So Arkansas is really late mm-hmm. to the game and they're like, no, we can make it. Let's do this. <laughs> so 
<laughs> sliding into home base last minute. <laughs> okay, fine. If I have to. God. <laughs> and this was also a really bad time for Arkansas. So Arkansas was dealing with a lot of political unrest and a bankrupt treasury and a lot of corruption. It was a great time. So this was mostly a lot of politicians investing in the railroad to help themselves and make money. But then the railroads weren't actually getting built all the way. And it was like a huge, really bad time for Arkansas. But fun fact. So like normal? Well, kind of. Like now we're the only state in the whole country that can't go into debt. We have to pay cash for everything because this was so bad and we were so in debt and the state almost imploded that now Arkansas cannot spend money without having it in the bank. Oh, is that is that now part of your constitution? Yes, it's part of the Arkansas constitution. Wow. You have to pay cash for everything. So that's why like economic collapses. Or, you know, in the past, like 2000, what was it, 2008, when everything started going. Yeah, so Arkansas did decently well, the government, because we had money in the bank. Cannot go into debt. We're like, they're not going through that shit again. (laughs) Yeah, it was really bad. Arkansas history is very depressing, especially that part. So two legislatures, they introduced a bill that would give uh, $50,000. To build an asylum. So in 2018, when I did the uh, conversion calculator for this, this was $1 million. $1 million in Arkansas poor 1800s money. Jeez. Wow. They had no money because the treasury is bankrupt. So you can see this is going to go well already. Oh, yeah. 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 And it had a very difficult start, obviously. Construction was halted for a decade because there was a perfect storm of political corruption, the empty treasury, and then the 1874 Brooks-Baxter War. So we had our own little Arkansas Civil War. (laughs) A little late to the game on that one, too. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Good times all around. And so after a decade, people are still pissed. They're like, we still can't take care of these people. And essentially, if you go with how many people are, I think it's like one in 10 people in today's idea of what we know about mental illness suffer from something. So at this point, it's almost like a third of the state is being left without any kind of health care. And it's uh, it's very noticeable. Nobody can take care of them. People are dumping them at jails. Jails can't take care of them. People are on the streets. A lot of homelessness and stuff. So about 10 years later, they're like, we have to do something. So there's this dude. He's another one of those abbreviations. P.O. Hooper. He's a famous Arkansas physician. And he's like, I'm taking this into my own hands. I'm going to save this. So he gets money and he wants to recognize the, quote, sad plight of the mentally ill and travel the country to figure out how to build this asylum. So he gets official authorization and he takes a tour of asylums across the United States. And he went to Pennsylvania, Maryland, New Jersey, New York, Connecticut, Ohio, Indiana, and Missouri. And he was taking notes, being like, this is how we're going to do this. So he comes back and he's like, this is what's going to have to happen. And he's like, we're going to do the Kirk by plan. It's working. Everybody loves it. And then he's like, and I need $150,000 to do it. So way more than they originally did. Wow. And then everybody's like, huh? They're like, well, okay, we're going to have to do this eventually. And so in March of 1879, the governor vetoed the first bill and then they created this new bill and it was going to give $150,000 plus an extra 10 to 20,000 a year for just like extra expenses. Doesn't seem like much, I guess, in old timey money. It's a little bit better, but mm-hmm. so we're kind of things are starting to move. Still not doing very well. 
<laughs> so, and then I put a little thing like, what is the Kirk Bride? You talked about it a little bit. So I was yeah. the Madhouse Act of 1774 ended the spectacle because at that point you could actually buy tickets like a zoo to go into the asylums and stare at people. Yeah. And Jeez. it was really bad. And I think one of the most famous ones was Bedlam or Bethlehem. It goes by both names depending on what time. And it was really just sad. That's what you think of when you think of people chained to walls and water and dark and yeah uh what if i remember it is originally called bethlehem and then it just became bedlam because of how awful it was in there yes yeah they're trying to rebrand i think well they were just saying no just call it what it is yeah and it was like the royal hospital for a while it was like yeah because i don't think it, it was ever officially called bedlam yeah and and it, it, it was just the colloquial old. name for it hold on i have it right here do, do, do. it's super old do i have any oh no, I didn't write it down. <laughs> but yeah, it's from like medieval times, the first one. It's very, very, very old. So That's cr- I never knew that they did that. They sold tickets. Yeah. And for people to just, you know, use these poor people that are locked away as entertainment, you know, entertainment. Oh, it it yeah. actually is yeah. worse than that because there were some places where you could pay extra to torment them yeah here's a picture i put it in the comments this is um a cartoon talking about this like they're chained at the neck and they're like in little areas where the people can come in and stare at them it's really sad that's awful they would give them fruit or sticks to prod them if they paid extra Mm, yeah it wasn't great so then this lovely thing called the enlightenment happened and the age of reason and people start thinking huh maybe they are people and this is another one of those instances where i'm just so baffled that this had to be a thought that had to be had so around 1790 two doctors one's william Tuke in england and then philippe pinel in france both proclaimed that the mentally ill should be released from their chains and provided treatment rather than punishment and that was it. That was the mic drop. We have we fixed it, guys. This is this is it. The movement. Yeah. This is it. We've done it. Well, <laughs> yeah. and again, if I'm remembering correctly, they did get pushed back by the church because for the church at the time, mental illness was a sign of Satan and demonic possession. Yes. So they were mm-hmm. sinners and needed to be punished, which is also why they allowed it to get so bad. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely possession, witchcraft, or just God punishing them for yep. their sins. It was, it's really so sad. <laughs> uh, I talked about this on a different podcast, and it was about like your passions in life and positivity. And I was like, I've made a mistake. This is all so sad. I'm so sorry. <laughs> <laughs> this is my passion. Listen to all this human suffering. Yeah. And I think what I've gotten from it is just like, I love studying this just because how far we've come and how this was like the seed that led to like modern psychiatry that we still don't understand but we're learning so fast and yeah but this was the moment where people realized that people that are mentally ill are still human and deserve dignity and i'm like this is a a big moment but 1790 that's again not very long ago in the grand scheme of humanity this is yeah really depressing So they came up with this idea called moral management. Both of them did, but not together. So that's kind of wild that they basically came up with the same wording, too. Baffles me. So this treatment centers around kindness, patience, recreation, and conversation. So this is the first idea of talk therapy, too. 
It stressed the importance of a quiet retreat away from a city where the insane could engage in their prescribed activities and restore their health. And by activities, it's like go milk a cow or garden or sow something. And it's supposed to keep your mind busy and help you. But I guess it kind of does make sense because even now, you know, the stress of life in the city, people take retreats to get away from it, to go in the country. So this is kind of where that was stemming from. I want to go milk a cow. No, you don't. <laughs> no, you don't. <laughs> so then, just one, just one little like, and then I'll be done. <laughs> okay, let's go home, guys. That's all I wanted no. to do. Just needed the experience. It's not Life experience. fun. <laughs> just wanted to touch one teat. That's it. <laughs> uh-huh. Oh. No. So then <laughs> Benjamin Rush, who, you know, big U.S. dude, signer of one of the of the declaration. So he goes to England like six times and he's there on to something. And he's also a Quaker. So he comes back to the U.S. and the U.S. is like, fuck, yeah, let's do this. So they start the Friends Asylum. And this is the first instance of the Kirk, not the Kirk Bride, but the moral management in the U.S. And then in 1841, Dorothea Dix. She kind of pushes it a little further, saying that humane treatment for the insane should mean that the asylums are like beautiful and expansive and have really cool grounds to walk around in. Look at flowers. Everybody will be cured with some fresh air. And then our man Thomas Kirkbride comes along and is like, hold my beer. I'm going to make this plan. The building itself is going to be the cure. So he kind of goes extreme. So everything that you mentioned before, the design, the ventilation, the lights everything is just designed to be a cure an instrument of treatment again these were all Yay. first thoughts people had and just baffles me that's my thought fresh air and i do i do like how you're like hold up here <laughs> <laughs> yeah he's like i'm Sorry. a genius yeah it's like hey hey watch this shit <laughs> <laughs> yeah he just kind of piggybacked off of what everybody before him did and was like oh i've done it and he wrote the book and then the book became the guide so every Kirkbride across the country, if you hear the word Kirkbride, they're going to be identical. They might have slight changes on the outside, like some of them have columns, some of them don't, but they're going to be identical structurally. So mm-hmm. there's a way to spot them because they're very similar. So in Arkansas, they bought 80 acres to start out with, and it was outside the capital of Little Rock. So at that time, it was on top of a big hill looking over the city before you know Little Rock grew. And then it's also... If you're from Arkansas or have been to Arkansas, the University of Arkansas for Medical Sciences is one of the biggest hospitals in the state. It was actually where that is now. And if you go to my website, you can see I overlapped the asylum on top of the hospital. It was enormous. What's the website? Uh, ArkansasLunaticAsylum.wordpress.com. Nice. My my college project. (laughs) 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 Uh, uh, So... It followed the plan, and it was called the linear plan, and it was what you talked about, the bat wings. Mm -hmm. One of the interesting aspects of it, and they were so open about it. So the center is going to be your common areas, and then as it spreads out to the bat wings, the quieter patients would be closer to the common areas, and then the more uh, loud, disruptive ones would be at the tail where nobody would have to hear them scream. And I was like, well, that's kind of sad. But I guess they thought they were geniuses because they're not scaring away people, dropping people off, which is another reason why these were so beautiful. They wanted people to actually come 
and not be afraid to. Yeah, that makes sense. Just like, oh, we'll make it pretty from the outside and we'll try to muffle all the screams <laughs> on the inside. No one will know. It'll be fun. Huh. I'm picking up either like Brothers Grimm vibe from that or uh, Dexter vibe from that. Yes. Very Dexter. Very Dexter. I have to I have to do this real quick. I have to. I've been thinking it this whole time. Like ever since I read the Batwing thing, it's all I could think about. And if you see oh, the buildings it. from above, you'll understand why that joke is hilarious. <laughs> it's true. It does. It looks like a little bat symbol. That's amazing. <laughs> And you talked about the lighting, and this asylum was known as the best example in the South of ventilation and lighting. So I thought that was really interesting. Mm, Sunlight and breathing. Yeah, and they had actual gas lighting, too. So they had lighting at night. What? What? Mines are being blown all over the place. And it had 484 (laughs) windows, so a lot of natural light. And then each one actually had bars on it to keep people from jumping. So. When you first said that, I thought you meant alcohol bars, oh. and I was like, "What?" <laughs> Hold different. Each one of them had a cocktail on them. Like, what? Oh, you're about to jump. Hold on, sir. Here's a Cosmo. Please enjoy. Yeah, and if you read the like documents when the people old timey speak, they're like, "We have fitted them with iron sashes, painted white to be- appear more welcoming." But they are there to keep patients from jumping. So it's like they're trying to make it look all like bright and cheery. But they're like, yeah, they just keep keep on trying to jump. So we, we had to do something. Oh, Stepford was a little bit there. I do, I do have a little side note about the whole drinking thing. Mm-hmm. One of the fun facts that I stumbled across for hospitals is that there are like a lot of hospitals in Europe. And I think it said especially in Germany where they have an on-site pub. Oh. for each hospital because that's like part of it like they think that drinking helps in some way and like a lot of patients they'll give them a nightly drink like a beer or ale before they go well, to bed that sounds about right for europe they're a lot more they don't binge drink like the u.s I true think. no they so they don't very you know here we're like woo. because <laughs> apparently when you put a age restriction on something it just makes people want to do it more yeah yeah i remember when i went to ireland i was 15 and i looked like 20 because i'm six foot and a giant but they kept trying to give me booze and i was like this is weird they're like as long as you can see over the counter kid you can have whatever you want and i was like well this is weird yeah pretty much as long as you can see over the counter you're fine there so just go ahead and have a pint yes (laughs) something like that just (laughs) like that <laughs> uh, and then this bad boy even had an elevator, which blew my mind. Ooh, yeah, like 1883 to have an elevator. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, and it officially opened on March 1st, 1883. And the first person was a woman who was admitted by legislative order a few days before. And just another thing is that it was quite common, you didn't actually have to have a reason to commit women, you could just say they were crazy. So a lot of husbands were just. Like, I want a new wife. And then they would send their wives here, including several of the first superintendents of this asylum. Oh, like great. The wives would be working Jesus. and then all of a sudden they were a patient. Oh, it's very sketchy. That's awful. Yeah, because they'd be like the matron. And then all of a sudden I saw them as a patient. And I'm like, what, what happened? Like, they left that out. Nobody wrote that down. Yeah. I have a lot of questions. Uh, uh, what? 
was that a keep them locked there so they can like still have them but go off and do other things i guess i don't know the thing that i hate about this and i'll get into it a little later is a lot of the primary sources are gone missing destroyed so I think anything that would answer these questions are gone or hidden or somebody took them. I, I tried reading some of their letters, but they were very vague. I think they knew what they did. <laughs> they were just like, I'm not going to mention that wife ever again. So nobody asks questions. <laughs> They're like, wife? What wife? Yeah. Oh, she she just she had a spell. Anyways, this is my new yeah. wife. Yeah. Like he would lock me up and nobody would say anything. He probably would. This just kind of reminds me of. Sorry, I'm I'm binge watching Avatar right now. <laughs> but like the, the there is no war in bossing thing. My cabbages! <laughs> like, that's all I can think. <laughs> uh, isn't that on Netflix? Yeah, yes. it's on Netflix. It's so good. Either that or like Judy's makes me think of two <laughs> really creepy ass cultural guide that they had. <laughs> all brainwashed. No, that was Judy. I am Julie. Am I like whole entire thesis was that I was proving that because the building was a Kirkbride, they used moral management. So I did find some really cool stuff about that. Ooh. And so when they came, they would have two doctors that would examine them and then they would diagnose them. So some of the earlier diagnoses were like alcoholism and then uh, plagra and a few other things that don't really exist anymore. And then it started spreading out the farther you went. And then they also would figure out where you were going to stay. So Each wing was separated by your gender and then also by the severity, you know, the loudness aspect. But I found and this is this is why I love history. I love touching old stuff. That's most of it. But the other thing I love is when you uncover something that nobody's seen in a long time. So I kept finding like notes on things. I'd be like something about floor plans. And I'm like, okay, do these things exist? And it took forever. And I were in a basement buried and I found the floor plans of this place because it doesn't exist. But when I was going through them, I found all the stuff that was actually inside of it. So they had beauty salons, barber shops, multiple dining areas. They had giant swimming pools, like in different weeks. They had craft rooms in each ward. They had recreational areas. They had screened in porches. They had walking areas inside and outside. They had relaxation areas. It also had a fully furnished community center that had a game rooms, a bowling alley, and even a canteen. Well, okay. It's very exciting. That's really cool. It's like its own little village. It is. And the canteen had a soda fountain, a pie case, a malt dispenser, a fudge warmer, a coffee maker, <gasps> and a refrigerated sandwich unit. You you had me at, like, <laughs> the pie. I can't. <laughs> it's so funny because when you do your thesis, you have to go in front of a board and they have to ask you questions. And I had one person that just kept asking me about the fudge warmer. And I'm like, I don't know, man. <laughs> like, I don't know what it is. But oh, he was just fascinated. <laughs> you don't know what the fudge warmer is? <laughs> well, he kept asking me because there's uh, another they kept building on. He's like, do each of them have fudge warmers? What, what did they do? How big was it? And I was like, I, I don't know. I don't want to take this bait. <laughs> like, I just want my degree. Oh, so so that's how you got your paper. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It, it looks like a 50s diner. It has like the, you know, the booths and the tables. It looks just like a 50s diner before the 50s diners existed. So it's 1883. So that's what blew my mind is it looks like a really cool. Yeah. That is so shop. cool. I do also like the idea of like 
one of the thesis professors that you had just like so excitedly fascinated about the fudge warmers yes. of all things like <laughs> yeah and you know on the website i have the floor plans where you can look at them and that was the only nobody talked about anything inside of it so it was really cool to see all the different stuff they did and there were you know oh, what are they called annual reports that talked about events so they talked about body grooming dining dances it talks about exercising, recreational events, art, um, people coming to teach our classes, and then educational activities. But they used to do a lot of dances, like a couple of times a year, to get them all excited about, you know, socializing. And well, I thought that was kind of okay. Here, here's here's a thought. Maybe in some mild defense is the fact that the, maybe the wives of the superintendents who just got fed up with them and went, no, fuck this. I want my fudge warmer. I want my dances, I want a bowl, and I want my fudge. Exactly. Maybe maybe that was <laughs> like, the reasoning. You know what? This place is nice. <laughs> They're just like, you know what? Fuck it. I'm done. I've had it with all this bullshit. I'm going to go be taken care of for once. Well, wait till this next part. You'll like it. They had hydrotherapy and massage. So Ew. they had hydrotherapy rooms in each ward, and it contained several traditional tubs and hot packs. And then as it expanded, they added Turkish baths. Spray baths, Russian baths, salt glows, and electric light baths, which I don't know how anybody survived the light baths. I don't know if you've ever seen them, but they're just, you're, you're asking to be electrocuted. I don't know who thought that was a great idea. <laughs> yeah, but there are such people known as jolters who intentionally oh. take current to feel a high. Oh, yeah. Have you ever been to a bathhouse? Like one of the old time, old timey ones? I have no. not. They, they look, if you ever go to Arkansas, I don't know why you would. But if you do, go to Hot Springs. It's really cool. And it has all the original bathhouses. But it was also, fun fact, Arkansas in that time, Hot Springs in particular, is where all the gangsters came. And it was their, like, Switzerland. You weren't allowed to fight with each other while you were in Hot Springs. So you'd go to the baths. And it was supposed to cure syphilis. That's probably why they all went. And uh, you'd go hang out and drink and you'd party. And then the second you left the city limits, you start shooting at each other again. Fair enough. Neutral ground. Yeah. <laughs> but it has a lot of the cabinets and it's just a lot of wires going into the water. And I'm like, oh, that seems dangerous. Yeah. Well, uh, what do I know? But at the same time, you have to understand the electric current at the time was basically the equivalent of a 12 volt battery. There wasn't yeah. enough amperage to kill you because you could handle millions of volts. It's the amperage that kills you. True. And if you go to Hot Springs, you can actually use those. They still do the traditional baths and you can lock yourself in a cabinet. It's just your head popped out. They lock you in there. Mm -hmm. uh, my mom <laughs> did it once. I think she said it was like an anniversary trip. They went there and she's like, I thought I was going to die. <laughs> did not enjoy. <laughs> uh, One out of five stars. Would not recommend. <laughs> That's exactly what you need on your anniversary, just to remember that you're alive. <laughs> yes, with the healing syphilis curing waters. Uh, but the hot springs are really cool. If you go, they're still bubbling out of the ground and you can like get a jug and take some home. So it's like, it's really hot. It's like 120 something degrees. And yeah, so that's cool. My father-in-law thinks it's a hoax. We have a couple of hot springs out here in Colorado. Oh, yeah. Well, yeah, you're close to like geysers and shit. We don't have those, but we have gangsters. We have Al Capone in his syphilis suite that I like to call it. Can't prove it, but <laughs> syphilis suite. <laughs> and then so this this is where I'm digging right now currently because I'm turning this into a book. So they called manual labor occupational therapy. 
And they said it was a treatment for mental illness. And it emphasizes the psychological and physical benefits of outdoor work. And it also was like, we're teaching them vocational skills, which sounds great, except it was all like unpaid. Exploitative slave labor. Yeah. One of the quotes is, the manual work done by these patients in and around the hospital is for their mental health and physical well-being, even though they were using this to not have to hire janitors or, you know, grow buy food. It, it's very sketchy. It reeks of the prison job system. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. They were very similar. So what was happening here was happening at the jails because the jails built our Capitol, which our Capitol building is an exact replica of the D.C. one and the jail inmates built it. It's like a whole thing. Anyway, so male patients worked as farmers, woodworkers, maintenance, carpenters, and gardeners, while the women assumed more domestic roles, including cleaning, sewing, food processing, and laundry. And during the World Wars, they mended army uniforms. So that's kind of cool. Oh, wow. Yeah. And then uh, they were so excited about this, they actually started sanctioning full farming operations. So about 1919, they had 250 acres of land to run a patient run dairy farm so it's very iffy about the whole uh is this slave labor because it sounds like yeah well i mean they didn't have slaves anymore so they had to come up with something it's true uh, even our prisons now still do the work oh it's slave labor it. yeah yeah every time there's a tornado it's always the prisoners rebuilding everything oh really we wild. have uh, prisoners right now putting out fires yeah yeah oh, i didn't think about that but yeah so around 1901 people started being like, hey, this word lunatic's not great, so we should change that. So in 1905, it became the Arkansas State Hospital for Nervous Diseases. But then by 1933, they're like, that's not much better. So then they just dropped it to Arkansas State Hospital, which it still is today. And uh, since moral management at Kirkbride only accommodated 250 patients, overcrowding was an issue from day one. Within a month of the grand opening, every ward was full forever. So it was just this cycle of overcrowding and expansion. So they had all these great ideas, all these things available, but they were never able to actually do anything because they couldn't afford to help everybody in the state. But to have mm -hmm. one asylum for the entire state, because a lot of the bigger states had several, but they were doomed from the beginning. Yeah. Yeah. Too small. Although a part of me is also kind of like, I have this image of their intake process of just, you know, they're examining them and they're just like, all right, on they said this little box with loudness scale and like all right you're, you're, you're at a 10 on the, on the scale so we're gonna put you back over there yeah you'll be with fred he's another screamer you'll get along great <laughs> yeah i'm imagining that's how that went i'd be like oh you're kind of moderately screamy you do great on that dairy farm nobody can hear you out there like we'll ship yeah. you off tomorrow you'll be fine just scream away yeah so by 1912, there were 1,788 beds just packed full of people. And it was. Wow. Yeah. So it was not doing great. So then they established a second location in Benton, Arkansas, which is about 30, 40 minutes away from this one. And that's still actually functioning today. And that's kind of one of the with the graveyard thing we were talking about with your story. So in documents I found, they said that people were using pauper graves that were going to be, you know, the back right section of the property which is now the interstate and uh oh. yeah they're actually ripping up the interstate right now so i'm just like reading waiting <laughs> like are they still there because they supposedly moved everybody to benton but if you just think logically you have a bunch of poor 
mentally ill people that nobody cares about, are they going to spend the money and time to actually dig every single person up? I'm just willing to bet they did not. So just watching the news, waiting for bodies. Yeah. So like historically speaking, a lot of because the library that I worked at for seven years, I found out that it was built on an African-American cemetery. And so when I started Mm -hmm. looking into it, I realized that they decided they wanted to move it, which was an Odd Fellows organization, which is kind of like the Masons. And they moved it to build a Holiday Inn. There was no other reason. They just wanted a Holiday Inn there and they moved them. But again, it was the 60s in Arkansas was not a great time for African-Americans. So I would bet money that there's still people underneath that library. Uh, It was haunted as fuck. So I'm uh, going to say it was. I do have to ask this question, though. Has it ever been a good time for blacks in Arkansas? No, I think I can say that pretty pretty positively. And that interstate is also really symbolic. That's where the protests were, because... When they were building it, it was originally supposed to go through closer to the Capitol, but it would go through the rich white neighborhoods, Uh which rich white cemeteries and stuff. So they moved it. So it went through Black Wall Street and completely devastated their neighborhood. It never recovered. Yeah. It's uh, Jeez. So when they started protesting, they walked down that street and I was like, that's powerful because it's symbolic. Yeah. If you know the history. Yeah. And. Who's going to actually focus on the history? Because, you know, that's not important. Yeah. Yeah. Arkansas has got some rough shit. I mean, we also had, you know, the Little Rock Nine where they called the National Guard in um, for segregation. It's it's a lot of really bad stuff. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and uh, yeah. Where was I at? This is getting really sad. Huh. So. <laughs> <laughs> it's getting real 2020 in here, guys. <sighs> it's getting really 2020. So, yeah, that's my thing. I've told some people like because fun fact. Uh, highway departments for the state actually have a historian working. So if they have to go through like a bridge or something, the historian has to go out there and make sure that it's not, you know, significant yeah. or something. So I talked to the doesn't have historical relevance or cultural relevance. Yeah. So I sent them a letter being like, in my research, it really sounds like you guys are about to dig up some dead people. So you've been warned. <laughs> like, send me a heads up because I want to know. Well, not, not only that, but <laughs> since you sent the letter, if they do, they can't really say they weren't aware yeah they have to be just from like where it's at it has to be or if it's not it's not like a building maybe if i did not triangulate it right but nobody really said they're just like somewhere back there we put the people it's a yeah (laughs) it's a lot of i'm sure almost every asylum had a pauper's grave somewhere we're just a bunch of yeah people that weren't claimed so it's really 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 sad so anyway they do have a nice memorial now in benton that acts as a tombstone for all the unnamed Mm. Uh, almost said victims <laughs> i mean <laughs> uh, well you know half of one six a dozen of another yeah so overcrowding defeated the goals because moral management was supposed to be this one-on-one you know care there's too many people who can never do it so that combined with the advancement of psychology psychiatric care was actually starting to spawn around this time in the deinstitutionalization movement uh, in 1957 the legislature ordered that all farming operations end immediately. This is like within a month, they created a law, they shut it down and sold the land. And I need to know what happened for the government to work that fast. So I'm working on digging something up. There has to be something huge. There probably is like somebody's, like somebody powerful's relative probably got put in that program unknowingly. And that makes sense. And when they came to visit and they found out about that their kid was being treated as a slave in slave labor, they went, hey, uh-uh. Yeah. I know people. 
Yeah, that would make a lot of sense. That's how a lot of things got done by, like, you know, women's voting. They arrested the wrong person. <laughs> Do you know <laughs> who like, my oh, husband shit, is? Now we have yeah. to let him vote so people don't get mad about this. <laughs> Just outrage, blah, blah. like the New York yeah. fires and the ones that, like, the all the women who were chained to their sewing tables. Mm-hmm. Yeah, if you ever see Iron Jawed Angels, that movie really uh, hammers in like the force feeding and the abuse and the slave labor and stuff. Ugh, yeah, and, like, um, things got changed real quick when that happened. Yeah. Like, wait, they were yeah, I think it was chained. Like senator's wife or something got arrested. Yeah, senator's and wife. She got a letter out. Yeah, I think which um, she was protesting yeah, in front of City Hall and she was arrested. Anniversary this week, last week. Yeah, last week. Yeah. They have not been able to vote very long. That's sad. <laughs> Very much so. Uh, so at the peak, there was 5,000 people in this asylum. Whoa. That was about the 1950s. So Jeez. it was not doing very well. It was overcrowded. It was a financial burden. The building itself was just eroding. And people were kind of changing attitudes towards mental health. So in 1963, it was demolished. They just bulldozed it. And then everything about it kind of got spread throughout the state. And that's been where I've spent the last four years of my life trying to dig up. But it's been interesting because once it got destroyed, everybody that worked there went off and then they were all old and they died. And then by the time I found this, nobody knew it existed, which I thought was just really weird to have this giant thing that loomed over the city. But nobody knew it existed. No, it got replaced. So everybody would think the stories are just about the buildings that were there rather than the buildings that that had been there. Yeah. And like I said, you know, by the 1900s, the whole building is a cure thing was already being discredited. So by the time Arkansas caught up, it was already too late. So they really didn't stand a chance. I will give them credit that a lot of the major doctors involved they were actually there's not anything bad about them and all of their journals and all their writings it just shows that they were really truly trying to help people which i also found interesting because a lot of the a lot of the stuff you read about other asylums people were like monsters there were a whole lot of like experimentations at this one they did do electric shock therapy but not a whole lot of abuse that i've found so far uh, no, that's good. Yeah, I mean, it's 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 good that they were trying to do something a little bit better, and, mm-hmm. even if it wasn't one hundred percent successful, it still was trying. Well, and, to be better. and to be yeah. fair to the psychologists of the age, like you only hear about the bad ones. Mm-hmm. Like you hear about the monsters, you don't hear because like, those are probably like five to ten percent. Because if you actually think about how many psychologists were employed, <laughs> when you do the percentages, like it actually ends up being a relatively few who were doing all the awful things but those are the stories that people remember because they're the mm-hmm. sensational ones not about the doctors yeah. who were like no i just really want to help these people let me help them yeah and especially about p.o hooper he was he went on to work at the hospital that replaced this and he did some great things and he started the first residency for psychiatric care in arkansas no. so like they seemed to really try and uh but yeah, it was destroyed. And then in 2008, they rebuilt the Arkansas State Hospital. It's actually on the same property. It's just much smaller, obviously. And it is still operating today as the only state-funded hospital for mental health in the whole state. And uh, they've been a trip because I went and talked to them. I'm like, do you have things? Are there artifacts? Do you know things? And they're all like, I don't know. But uh, they did tell me that it is haunted and that the 
area where they started putting the criminally insane, like the serial killers and shit. They're like, it's so haunted. We won't even go in there. So that's why they're there. <laughs> thought that was funny. Oh, gosh. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Fair enough. And I think I think they said at one time they have some chains from the electric shock. And then I think they said there's like a gurney and maybe like a wheelchair. But there's not a whole lot of you know stuff. And there's a time capsule. But it was supposed to be open like every on the 200 year anniversary. And I'm like, who did that? So I was like, can I get like an x-ray of that? And they said, no. But, Aww. I know. <laughs> Foiled. <laughs> but uh, they've, uh, they're not very receptive to my research because a couple of years ago, one of the nurses ran away with one of the uh, patients and it didn't go very well. So they got a lot of bad press and they were afraid that I was going to make it worse. Oh, no. So now I'm just talking about it on a lot of podcasts. So sorry. <laughs> <laughs> we're really worried about bad press and you're just like, eh, I'm just going to talk about it on some podcasts. Yeah, yeah maybe shame like them I've into published a, Yeah, I've published a journal article. I'm publishing a book and now I'm going on every podcast that will let me talk about it. So <laughs> sorry. Shame them into doing the right thing, right? Yeah, I'm going to send them another being like, tell me about your ghost. <laughs> uh, I need to know more. But they say it's really creepy. I got to go in and like meet a couple of people. But I mean, it's a uh, it's a state hospital, so they're not going to let me in very far. Yeah, there, there's there's something that mostly for your own safety kind of thing, too. <laughs> yeah. And that's where all the really uh, dangerous people go. And it's also where a lot of the younger people go to. So they were saying the biggest problem now, it's the same thing. It's the money. So if the state gives them so much money for, say, a teenager that's showing some destructive tendencies and for his own good to be in there. But if the money runs out, they have to let him go. And I'm like, well, that's really scary. But that's just countrywide. They can only stay as long as the money's coming in. Yep. That's really depressing. Yeah. But Again, America. Yeah. <laughs> I know one. Oh, he's super famous. I can't remember, but. It was like a Christmas morning massacre. Some dude went to Walmart, bought a bunch of guns, and then killed everybody. He's there. He's the only like serial killer, mass murderer that I know is there. But <sighs> Arkansas's wild. That's the moral of this story, I think. Okay. Yeah, we yeah, can take that. A little bit. <laughs> uh, but yeah. So if you go to it's Arkansas Lunatic Asylum.wordpress.com or if you just Google Arkansas Lunatic Asylum. So most of the photos that are on there are things that I dug out of basements that people hadn't seen in decades. So it's really cool that now there's when I started, there was only one photo on the Internet and now there's a bunch. So. Yay! that's so cool that you were able to, like, unearth all this forgotten stuff. Yeah, here's, here's one picture. Oh, wow. She big. Yeah. <laughs> she real big. And then there's postcards because they used to send postcards of asylums. Oh, yeah. Um, not sure why that was a thing. People wanted to send their brothers or whatever, but that was definitely a thing. So I found a couple of those. But on the back, it's just like, hey, how are you doing? Like, it was so weird. Just it was like postcards from the patients or just no, like random just people? random people that just chose the asylum as the picture. But they were sending here. It is. Uh, that's the postcard. I mean, it's pretty, I guess. Yeah, it's pretty postcard. <laughs> All right. But on the back, just like, hey, Jim, haven't seen you in a while. Hope you can come visit or something. I was like, oh, this is really weird. <laughs> but they had them all over the country. You could collect them. I found that just fascinating. Gotta catch them all. Yeah. <laughs> it's wild. Yeah. Uh, don't we have commemorative stamps of serial killers? Oh, probably. That sounds like something that. They have 
They have serial killer playing cards. So Those are a thing. You can't really throw too many stones at that generation. Yeah, that's that's true. We have a podcast dedicated to weird, true crime, and paranormal. We really don't have a stone to throw at them. <laughs> yeah. Maybe we should start making some postcards of asylums and serial killers. <laughs> Probably. Make that money. Oh. You gotta do what you gotta yeah. do. <laughs> All right. Um. On that depressing note of asylums and death and murder. Yeah, great way to end our episode. Great way. Mm. Uh, maybe maybe yeah, the sheer irony of how low we got is enough to bring the mood back up. Oh, here's something. So while I was researching, there's this man that just kept popping up everywhere I was at researching the same thing. And I was like, what are you doing? So I finally found him and I was like, are you researching this too for like something? He's like, oh, I'm writing a book. And I was like, okay, cool. But like our research, what are you doing? He's like, oh no, it's going to be mostly uh, historical fiction. I was like, all right, cool. So he kept asking me questions. Like, he's like, I really want this to be dramatic. So, you know, like how bad was the asylum where they're like chained to walls and beaten? And I was like, well, I haven't actually found anything like that. And he's like, okay, that's disappointing. <laughs> I was like, what? No, so he wrote this book. His great-grandmother or his grandmother was there. So he he called it like Toward Love Affair or something. I have it over here anyway. But it's about his grandpa staying in northern Arkansas with the fields, you know, fending off the locusts and, you know, stuff that did not happen in Arkansas. But and then it's her story at the asylum. So he wrote me in the acknowledgments being like, oh, thank you for your help researching and then sent me a copy. And I got through like two pages and I just like fell out laughing so hard. It is like he took every stereotype about Arkansas and just like jumbled it up and threw it on a page. It's wild. Like they don't wear shoes. They say like chidlins and like just weird shit. I'm like, Arkansas don't look like that. So I've been reading it to my Patreon, like chapter by chapter. It is so hilarious. But I'm like, this also has my name in it. So I'm also kind of like, oh, <laughs> I did oh, not help. No. It's so bad. Like, please, please don't ever acknowledge me as any of the printings of this anymore. Yes. Like, <laughs> just, I mean, he's older, so I'm assuming he doesn't listen to podcasts like this, but because then I'm going to feel bad because I always shit on it. But I mean, it's so bad. It's hilarious. But like, the main character doesn't have an arm. In every other page, somebody mentions that he doesn't have arm. Like, it's just wild. Like, he's like, oh, I got this house. I'm going to decorate. And they're like, who's going to decorate? You can't wallpaper with one arm. And I mean, it's just so, like, it's so weird. Oh. It's hilarious. So you should totally check that <laughs> oh, out. Oh, man. It's called, oh, it's called Tom and Leon Star-Crossed Lovers. Okay. It's so All right. <laughs> but I haven't even gotten to the asylum part, and I'm like, I bet he butchered it, but I'm just, I'm excited Well, now. hey, if he gets the asylum part, okay, then it's all right to have your name associated with it, because then- Yeah, I mean, yeah. Because at least, at least the facts are okay. It's so rough. It's like Beverly Hillbillies- bad like with the stereotype of arkansas oh it's so bad like i feel like i should be insulted but you know <laughs> people have said worse things about arkansas so I can't true all right well there is a nice <laughs> uplift to the end of our show yeah read the bad book it's hilarious all right <laughs> we don't talk like that and we wear shoes for the lulz <laughs> if you want to read about everything that is not arkansas <laughs> true it's true Oh, that's amazing. But um, thank you so much, Kina, for coming yeah, on and talking to us about your, your book and everything. Oh, this thanks. is just, like so cool. Oh, I'm just glad people care. 
<laughs> well, we definitely do. It's the so. only thing I know. You know, everybody's like, oh, I'm this expert on like Charlemagne or something. I'm like, Arkansas Lunatic Asylum. That's all I got. It's all that's in there. <laughs> well, at least you are okay. the world's authority. I am. I am. That's kind of cool. I can say that but until the next person comes along. For now, I am the reigning champ. Well, until they open up that time capsule. <laughs> oh, I know. Yeah, I'll be dead, but maybe I'll have like the ability to haunt it so I can see what's in it. <laughs> like, I just need to know. It's like, this is the first thing that you do when you die is you just like visit the time <laughs> capsule <laughs> and get inside. Of it. Yeah, like grabby hands. Let me see. What's in it? Yeah. And you look inside and you're like, God damn it. This is it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's probably very disappointing. <sighs> it's just like a bunch of postcards. <laughs> Some dirt or something. Oh, man. But thank you guys so much for having me. It was really great to be on the flip side. Be a guest now. Hell yeah. Why don't you let everybody know where they can find you and your podcast? Yes. Again, I am Historical AF Podcast. You can find me on every major platform. Just put in Historical AF. Or you can find us on social media. That's Historical AF Pod on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. And uh, yeah, if for some reason you want to email me and ask me about this asylum or anything, uh, historicalafpod at gmail.com. All right. I think that's woo! Woo! Or you can just Google it. Yeah, just Google Historical AF and it pops up something. Yes. Thank you for your shameless butt plug. Thank you. (laughs) And as for our shameless plug, you know, obviously we're on, if you guys want to catch up with us, we're also on Twitter, Facebook, you know, all social media, Instagram, where we do post since we're now finally starting our second season. Thank you for being so patient with us. Yes. Thank you for being patient with us. <laughs> yes. Seriously. Seriously. Thank you. I know a lot of people were like, uh, how long is this break going to be? And I was like, uh. Yeah, we, we didn't know. 2020 happened. You know? Yeah, yeah. 2020 yeah. derailed a lot of things. So mm-hmm. it really did. It, it took a lot longer that. Like Ty starting a new job. I just started school again. Like it's been a thing. Mm-hmm. So yes, we are back. <laughs> so yay for those of you who are excited <laughs> for that. <laughs> sorry for those who are not looking forward. <laughs> and sorry for those of you who were like about time. <laughs> exactly. Namely, Namely Nick. Nick. Yes. Nick is probably the one that's like, <laughs> like goddamn. And Cam. Oh. <laughs> Mary Kate. She's been looking forward to it too. Okay. I know. I love that some of your listeners were just like, "You need to have Otter Limits back on your podcast again." I was like, "Oh, they're so sweet." <laughs> oh yeah. Mary Kate went to grad school with me. She's the most Southern person I know. Her accent is just... I love her accent. (laughs) So good. (laughs) Oh, it's so good. (laughs) (laughs) But anyway, yeah, you guys can catch us on all of our social medias at The Otter Limits or uh, our website at Mm theotterlimits.com. And if you want to reach out to us with your stories, paranormal, true crime, otherwise, just so we can maybe hopefully start our listener episode. Especially if you have some like cool like you're a nurse and or a doctor and you work in a creepy ass hospital Ooh, send them yeah. our way send them our way we want to know we want to hear your first-hand accounts of crazy stuff that's happened or like weird true crime yeah. in your area yeah so we us. can finally do it with this just an episode oh my gosh we would love to do with this just an episode please send I us know. your things and if you want to get a hold of <laughs> us as well you can also email us at the otter limits at gmail.com yes please <laughs> 
But yeah, thanks so much for joining us, guys. Thank guys, guy, just one guy, <laughs> one singular guy that listens yes, to sir, it. Yes, sir. To you, we <laughs> thank you very much. For one listener. <laughs> oh God! Thank you so much for joining us, guys, with an S. Uh, and thank you to Kina and Historical AF Podcast. Oh, thank you for having me. Yes. All right. And on that note, we will see you later, you little monsters. We'll see you on the otter side. Okay, bye. This has been a transmission from the Otter Limits. Do not forget to like, comment, subscribe, or review for more tales of suspense. Long ago there were three pigs, little handsome piggy wigs. For the big, bad, very big, very bad wolf, they didn't give me... I won't be able to push a baby out of my part, so...